Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, we're meeting Jessica's secret love, or as Karen described it in a text to me this afternoon, Jessica's secret sex offender. Uh, it's more accurate. <laughs> it is terrifyingly more accurate. <laughs> Horrifically so. <laughs> this is genuinely one of the books with the worst message that I have oh ever God. possibly ever read in my life. Saying a lot for Sweet Valley, really. It really is. Like, this is up there with Paraplay and Wrong Kind of Girl in the actual sort of damage it mm. could do. Because obviously, there are books where very upsetting things happen that would distress readers or listeners, you know, like Friend Against Friend or mm. Don't Go Home with John. But at least in those books, no one is pretending that the terrible things that are depicted are normal or True. okay. Whereas this. <laughs> I swear to God, the way it normalizes sexual, I mean, we're not having sex sex, but like no. physical relationships between teenagers and men in their 20s is mm-hmm. so fucking dodgy. And I don't care if there's a come up in several books in because loads of kids would have just read this one on its own. Oh, okay. Well, it's good to know that there is comeuppance. Well, maybe, no, I don't of, know if there oh, is. Oh, I kind of presumed you knew. Sorry, no, because I No, that was just a guess. Oh, I mean, you'd hope. <laughs> yeah, because we're really into territory now where like, I, I don't think I've ever read a lot of these ones, kind of the post 100 yeah. books. I I've I don't think I've read any of them like from <gasps> before. So this is all new and exciting to me. <laughs> I've read a few, but like so few that I can list them. So I've read sure. I read the werewolves. I read the um, <laughs> cheerleader wars. Okay. I read the gang wars, which oh. is wars, which are insane. Um, <laughs> and I read the Death Valley one, where Bruce kills a okay. rattlesnake with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. So anything else is totally fresh, including these uh, unsettling tomes. Very unsettling. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, yeah, I, I guess if we must, we will dive right in with taglines and blurbs. And I have just realised that I do not have a back cover tagline. Um <laughs> Which, uh, really, I should have checked, but we're we're at sixes and sevens today. Oh, look it. That's OK. I, I can just take it. Uh... <laughs> 
because I have the physical copy in front of me. Um, so I'll just do the whole lot. So <laughs> we have well, you our... are on full. You are on full blurb duty this week. So it's, well, then you know. that all works out fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our kind of back tagline is, and again, oh, the message is here. Is Jessica a thief of hearts? <laughs> Like that is also just fishing with the truly unhinged and deeply weird tone of this book. It's such a weird tone. I mean, they, it's like it was hard to know where they could possibly go after the werewolf saga, <laughs> but like they've somehow managed to match that energy <laughs> by just leaning into the kind of insane soap opera side of this series like in a huge way like this is camp off the rails completely it, it entirely is but also it's written in this really different style to the previous books mm. even the more melodramatic books so <laughs> it reads as I think I, I said to you earlier it reads like sort of deranged fan fiction like it does feel like it was written by a teenager mm. it's even more deranged than your own fan fiction and, <laughs> oh, much more way. deranged <laughs> But can you share the full blurb? Because I can only imagine what that's like. Oh God! Yeah, spoiler heavy, but look, here we go. Oh, what's that was the cover? It... Jesus. Never. Yeah. So when Jessica Wakefield meets Jeremy Randall on the beach, she can't believe her eyes. <laughs> yeah, she sure can. <laughs> He's everything she's always dreamed of and more. <laughs> okay. It's love at first sight for him too. And they share an intimate kiss. As opposed to a non-intimate kiss? Sure. (laughs) Then Jeremy says he can't see her again. And Jessica doesn't know what to think. But soon she understands all too well. (laughs) He's engaged to the Wakefield's house guest. (laughs) (laughs) They're like straight away. That's kind of a twist that they're building up to in like the first third of this book. Yes. (laughs) Fucking ages. Oh, so long. Anyway, we continue. Sue Gibbons, daughter of Alice Wakefield's college roommate, has come to Sweet Valley to get married. She and Jessica become instant best friends and Jessica knows she's going to love Sue's fiancé. Now, that's not accurate. Not even vaguely accurate. No, like they all get along fine, but it's not like she gets on with Jessica particularly well or like more so than Liz or anything. No, not at all. But anyway, when she finally meets him and discovers it's Jeremy, she realises how right she was. She does love Sue's fiancé and she wants Jeremy Randall, engaged or not, for herself. (laughs) She is fully off the rails in this book. She has left the station completely. (laughs) We we then have the little kind of end line again then, which is uh, the first title in a spellbinding five-part miniseries. Sweet Valley has never been so shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) With all the shit this town has seen and been through. Like, they've never been more shocked even that time the twins had a murderous doppelganger who, like, (laughs) tried to kill both of them. This constant disrespect to Margot just will not stand. I have had enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're, they're sort of going for a bit of a, you know like totalitarian year zero on many things including Mm. jessica's uh romantic history in this book it's like (laughs) we're on full on this is the most important relationship of my entire life but um yeah 
very unconvincingly. Um, <laughs> speaking of unconvincing, can you describe the cover? <laughs> I can indeed. And it's, you know, it's, I guess, in keeping with the tone of the book, it is mm. highly melodramatic. Um, <laughs> like it is actually, and again, it's rare enough to get an actual proper picture of the the Casa del Wakefield oh, itself. True. So we are actually getting a look at at least a section of the uh, the fabled Wakefield house. Uh, so it, it seems to be the kind of the, the glass doors will say the slide uh, out onto the patio where we presume the pool is as well. But uh, in the foreground, we've got, we've got Jessica and Jeremy uh, uh. In, in an embrace, a horrible illegal embrace. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, there's all these kind of lanterns sort of strung up as well uh, from the wall to what I guess is probably a palm tree uh, holding them all aloft. So it's all very soft and <laughs> a pastel as usual. So we've got yellow and pink lanterns. Jess is in uh, a yellow dress, which looks quite nice. Oh, this fucking pervert Jeremy is oh, God, wearing like a, a, sh- a shirt and pants. I don't care. He needs to go to jail. He um, certainly does. And then kind of behind the uh, the screen door or the patio door, I should say, uh, is Liz looking at this <laughs> tableau uh, with one hand, like both hands are on the glass. Like it's very dramatic. And by the way she's looking out, you'd nearly think that she's been like a spurned lover in this kind of. Yes. Set up like it's it's a weird um kind of weird cover <laughs> in that respect uh but yeah it's kind of um yeah it's it's odd the it's very melodramatic but not super reflective of the actual storyline I don't think absolutely not this literally I mean it's referring to a scene that happens at the end but Liz is mm. not there no it's no just... no she does not see this at least as, as far as we know um yes. but yeah but look it makes for a suitably melodramatic cover but then when you finally find out who everybody is and what this guy's deal is it's like well the absolute last thing I want to see is him kissing Jessica thank you very much <laughs> absolutely not unless it's followed by him being dragged off by um, <laughs> some sort of uh... by Sergeant Bumpo <laughs> oh bring it back Bumpo by the way, friend of the show, Caressa DeFerton, who has uh, been delighting us with a series of little sort of tableaus inspired by each cover, created a truly fantastic recreation of this cover with her Elizabeth official Elizabeth doll. So and good. it is amazing. Oh <laughs> it's uh, as she says, Liz doll does look inappropriately happy about what she's seeing through the window, but then you wouldn't put that past her, eh? <laughs> so oh, what with these freaks? Oh, so yes, she she is looking. She's uh, the Liz doll is uh, pressed up against a sort of perspex uh, uh, divider of some kind mm. and indeed looking very happy about it but she does her <laughs> hands aloft like one of the covers so it's quite accurate it's very good <laughs> also I'm genuinely baffled about the choice of cover like it's so spoilery but also inaccurate at the same time yeah it's it's accomplishing a lot while not hitting anything correctly <laughs> <laughs> indeed well, before we get into the actual story itself, we're just going to give you a heads up that we are only going to cover half of Jessica's Secret Sex Offender this week because... Uh, it's the official title now. It absolutely is. Um, because owing to circumstances, medical circumstances outside our control, we will not be able to record an episode in two weeks. So what we are going to do is divvy this one up mm-hmm. in two. So you yes. will not go a single week without some... Uh, some in the main feed without some Sweet Valley 
preposterousness absolute nonsense uh yeah and like do not worry because there is so much mad shit that happens in this book it it, it was probably going to need two episodes anyway to get through everything let's be honest (laughs) reading it feels like having a fever dream so i can i can only imagine that listening to us hysterically describe it would just make you feel like something was going very very wrong it was lasting (laughs) too long so uh we're gonna have to microdose this particular book (laughs) basically Exactly. <laughs> well, we begin at the beach, and Jessica has stunned Lila with a request for something oh. that most of us would think was an essential. I mean, you know, I was kind of happy at first because I was like, well, you know, they've made allusions to this before, and now finally she's actually actively putting on some fucking sunscreen when they're out at the beach under that fucking midday California sun. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, so but it's this huge big deal that Jessica is asking for sunscreen because Lila's like, what are you talking about? Since when do you use sunscreen? Oh my Instead God. of it just being like a passing thing and it's like, oh good, they're, they're wearing some fucking sunscreen <laughs> instead of cooking themselves in oil. Uh, but this is all because uh, since they got back from England, apparently Jessica is uh, trying to tone down her tan because uh, the pale look... <laughs> Is what's in over there, and it looked really romantic and kind of European. So she's trying to lighten up her tan a bit. Like the only Europeans who are paler than pale, as Jessica says, are white, British, and Irish people. Basically, yeah. like everyone else actually does have a tan. So mm. if uh, if if you're a white Western European, um, you are definitely more bronzed than. Uh, the average white Irish or English person but anyway it's it's a European look like the European fashions where it covers a multitude <laughs> while also being incredibly non-specific yes <laughs> so we get a twin comparison and then Enid asks after their you know their time in London because apparently they have kind of just got back basically mm. and the way she says this really <laughs> shows how like the whatever the equivalent of the Overton window is in Tree yes. Valley. You know, the center has shifted so far into God. crazy town. This is true. It's the Margot window now, really. She <laughs> 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 <It is>. broke it. <laughs> she literally did. Because Edith says, I know you guys got all mixed up with that psycho who thought he was a werewolf, but did you manage to have any fun at all? What a super normal thing to say. <laughs> Um, and Liz forces a smile because apparently she hasn't had a chance to tell Edith to quote the whole sordid story oh um, and apart from still confused and embarrassed about what had happened like embarrassed not traumatised at no. seeing him <laughs> shot in front of you he literally died in front of her but like it's again it is just you know a, a gateway into recapping the last yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just ridiculous three books. But uh, yeah, they do just kind of point out that, uh, yeah, although for a while it looked as if they each found a romantic English man to fall in love with, Elizabeth said turned out to be a serial killer. (laughs) She says, it was pretty much mostly work. Oh my God. Well, apparently Todd is away with his family, conveniently enough. Mm. Um, and he's going to be away for another fortnight, so she doesn't have to face him. And, no, she uh, hasn't seen him at all since she got back. So yeah, lucky for her, I guess. Yeah, lucky for him. He's, he's well, that's true. spared <laughs> her uh, guilt-ridden lies. Because of course, she mm. hasn't told him a single thing. Not a thing. 
bed just to continue the air of unreality. Jessica uh, says, I feel like it's really, really hot, apparently. Mm. Uh, and uh, Jessica says, oh, I feel like a little exercise. Lila, care to join me in a quick jog along the water? Because that's what everybody does when mm. they're feeling really hot and sweaty. <laughs> they go for a jog in like 40 degree heat. Absolutely. <laughs> in yeah, their bare feet on the uh, sand. Yeah. And Lila quite reasonably is like, ugh, it's too hot. I'll stay here and take a nap. But apparently this is like Jessica is kind of angling to uh, chat to Lila alone. Um, And it's like, if that was just her excuse to get away, okay, that's one thing. But she does actually genuinely want to go for like a jog or a run as they're chatting. And it's like, Jessica, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when they're gone, Liz confides in Edith and uh, not confides about the whole like, I really can't get over the fact I saw <laughs> the person I loved and killed a bunch of people and then was killed in front of me. Oh no. God. It's all about like, oh, I met this romantic, sweet, unassuming guy and I thought he was meant for me, you know? I sort of let myself get carried away by the fact he was a poet and all. Even the dialogue in this book feels really weird. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. Also, like, the neck of her, because she's like, when she says he was meant for me, she says, she then clarifies, in a different way than Todd. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Todd, you're a boyfriend. <laughs> Who you completely forgot about when you were in London. Um, so anyway, the thing that's really uh, bothering her is that the fact that she didn't notice what mm. was up with Luke. And uh, now, now I feel weird inside, although, <laughs> as though I can't trust my instincts. Can't trust get guys. So she can't believe she made such a big mistake. Mm. And Enid's like, you can trust Todd, can't you? And she says... Right now, I feel as if, as though I can't even trust myself. So I don't say, you are very untrustworthy, Liz. So <laughs> this is perfectly fair. This is the thing. If anybody should be like worried about trust, like it's Todd not being able to trust you as far as he could fucking throw you. Because she has literally been cheating on him since we like left book 100. If she wasn't scoring Bruce in the kitchen, like she's half, half riding Luke like around London. It's just ridiculous. She's literally kissed as many boys in the last seven books as like extra boys as she had in the previous 100 yeah. <laughs> it's odd yeah like she's she's just outrageous the carry on of her it is well we cut to jessica who has no sympathy for liz's trauma she says i mean i see your point but yawn <laughs> and uh, we discover she needs some more excitement too because although you might think listeners that she will need some, you know, she'll be grieving the loss mm. of Robert, who we were told repeatedly of the last three books was her true love. She felt that Liz yes. had never betrayed her. She'd never been so betrayed as when Liz thought he was a killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, th- those sentiments were uh, very shallow, apparently. Extremely short lived. Yeah. Apparently, like the fact that he lived in England, they knew from the start it wasn't going to go anywhere. So she's what? like, I- I'm ready to meet someone new. Like she... This was so not the vibe <laughs> in those werewolf books at all. And now it's literally like, well, I'm home now. That doesn't matter anymore. On to the next thing. The fact that, that I'm outraged by this, we knew from the beginning <laughs> it wouldn't go anywhere. When she literally spent most of the last few books fantasizing about being like the lady of the matter. And, yes. <laughs> uh, and you know, doing anything to prove his, his innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, as you say, she's ready to meet someone new. Someone who really blows me away. And then says, after Sam died, I thought I'd never want to get close to anyone again. But now I feel, I don't know, like it's, that it's time to go on. And Lila is like, you've been really brave and really strong. I think it's great. You're ready to move on and meet some new eligible stud. She literally just did. She's been moving on. <laughs> All she's been doing. <laughs> 
So um, Lila says, can you just make sure your hunk has a gorgeous brother or friend? Because uh, she's determined to find love too. And then yes. they insanely decide to cool off again by running in the boiling hot weather. Even though they are in their swimming, swimsuits next to the sea. Just go into the water, you fools. <laughs> <laughs> like Jessica literally says, gosh, can you believe this heat? Let's run for a while along the water. Let's fucking not. Like, what's wrong <laughs> with you? Oh my God. Anyway. Possibly deservedly so. Uh, she's about to head off again when she gets uh, whacked in the head with an errant frisbee. Good. Um, and <laughs> she had it coming. <laughs> absolutely did. And worse. Anyway, she's enraged by uh, somebody daring to hit her in the head with a frisbee until she sees it's, it's not only a hunk, but <laughs> we are told Hosha didn't begin to describe the gorgeous guy headed their way. Oh my god. Yes, he's apparently a bronzed Greek god in black swim trunks. Uh, <laughs> Jessica like chokes out who is that? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's next to her uh, putting a warm hand to the bare so- shoulder. Oh wow, I'm sorry, he said in a rich husky voice. And we thought we'd seen it all on the hotness scale listeners, oh but this scale goes further than we ever dreamed. Truly, this guy has just come along and kicked the scale over altogether. Like, uh-huh. it's ridiculous because uh, now that she's getting a proper look at him, apparently he was even more gorgeous up close. The most gorgeous guy Jessica had ever, wait for it, uh-huh. seen, heard, thought of, or stood next to in her entire life. So the qualifiers here are just racking up. This guy is off the fucking charts. <laughs> like... Thought of! He's literally beyond her wildest dreams. Outrageous. Ever seen, heard, thought of, or stood next to. Like, truly, he has left all those other guys for dead. I just, yeah. Robert who? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so yes, he has dark brown eyes, the colour of coffee, coffee coloured eyes again. Oh, he stole he those is... off Todd. Oh, well, Todd isn't round, so. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only one coffee coloured eyed hunk in, allowed right. in Sweet Valley at, at one time. <laughs> and he has thick, wavy, honey blonde hair. His nose was straight, his chin firm. And he was older. Oh dear. Mm-mm. Maybe college age. And also... She could feel the heat radiating off of him as though he were made of sunlight itself. (laughs) I know it's just say, what the actual fuck is happening? It's very strange. But yeah, like they're literally just kind of barely talking to each other because he's just like, oh, let me help you. And she's like, oh, okay. And he's like, oh, where did the frisbee hit you? Oh, right here. Like, it's all very, like, very short sentences, but mm-hmm. it's all just kind of them sort of seeing each other and staring at each other. And kind of, he gets a good look at her face and kind of nearly falls over. <laughs> <laughs> he stops speaking like he's in the middle of a sentence. He is fully struck dumb by the sight of her face. Like, it's it's so ridiculous. But they have all these, like, mad, like, oh my God. Jessica's skin tingles like there's something wrong with her she's she's not well (laughs) she thinks he's my soulmate the one i've always dreamed of the one i've been waiting for this was meant to be she knew it as clearly and sharply as definitely as her own name yeah so Uh, it's uh, uh, like 
It is the most ridiculous, overwrought love at first sight. Oh, it is preposterous, this uh, coup de foudre. <laughs> um, and the thing is, is that in, in other books, like remember there was one about Jessica falling in love with the guy she'd seen in a dream. But that, oh, yeah. was, that was played for laughs. Like that mm. was, isn't Jessica ridiculous? Yeah. That is not the case in this book. No, not at all. Like it's, this is all being presented as this is how it's going down. Yes. He is her soulmate. They are meant to be together because they're both just like immediately clicking. Like yes. <laughs> more than anyone ever has in the history of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the Hunk's friend joins them. His name's Robbie Goodman. The second Robert in a row, because I guess the Ghost Riders have no imagination. And uh, <laughs> the the girls introduce themselves and Robbie obviously introduces himself, but uh, the hunk has yet to reveal his name. Mm. And uh, he, Robbie offers to get a soda for the girls to apologise and Lila goes with him, leaving Jessica with the hunk. And he's like, you're so beautiful. He blurted <laughs> suddenly. I never thought. I mean, I didn't expect. He just keeps breaking off and like looking into the ocean. And oh my God. <laughs> Jessica says, me neither. I never expected to meet someone like you. And then the stranger looks upset, almost angry. It's like, I never expected to meet you. Not now. He agreed bleakly. Like this, they are acting like this. They have, you know, had a before sunrise situation. Like, oh, this is like, yes, an established couple, like, dealing with something yeah. or like yeah, having reuniting after <laughs> years like it's the, the level of drama for people who have literally spent four seconds with each other like is just it's it's not crazy not as they've finished, finished a sentence no. it's not even like in before sunrise where they spend like a whole you know time together mm. and actually have a conversation it is it's just the two of them staring like why why me like why is this happening I never thought I would and Jessica is like why not now it feels so right it feels like fate he looks at her with an intensity she finds almost frightening maybe it is he said lowering his head and claiming her lips in a kiss gross (laughs) and her feelings like Lord Robert for young Lord Robert Pembroke in London suddenly seemed insignificant Mm. hashtag poor Robert just poor every other guy, basically. Oh, <laughs> poor Sam as well. Honestly, because straight away, yeah, she's also like, I haven't felt like this since Sam, she realises. And apparently now for the first time in the long months since uh-huh. Sam Woodruff had long, fuck, long months? Is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, yes, yeah, since since uh, his death, the sun has finally come out. The stranger's kiss had healed the pain. So yeah, fuck you, Robert Pembroke. <laughs> <laughs> My notes there do say, this is fucking mental. It's like that's just I actually is. feel like I'm having uh, some sort of episode. Yeah. <laughs> um so they pull apart and he's like, Oh, Jessica, I'm sorry, I can't. Uh and she's like, What? You know we're supposed to be together. You know it. Again, my notes say, What is happening? Oh my god. Yeah. And again, he keeps kind of like breaking off again. He's like, Maybe we no, we don't know that. We've just met. I'm sorry. Jessica. We can't be together. <laughs> I can't. Oh, I can't ever see you again. Like, it's so wildly melodramatic. It, like, she, she literally does not know his name at this point. They have, neither of them have said a full sentence to each other. No, it's so 
funny but yeah he kisses her hand and strides away quickly apparently and she's just stuck frozen uh, on the beach chair and she's like oh my god what are you doing run after him but something stops her apparently because he looks so tortured and whatever his reasons are that they can't be together seem to be pretty solid because he's out of here so for the second time in her oh. life apparently <laughs> Jessica <sighs> felt her heart break they're literally equating this literally this event that literally happened in un- under a minute mm-hmm. to Sam dying yep <laughs> in a car crash caused partly by Jessica herself oh my god and Just... this and <laughs> this is why this book actually does make you feel like you know you've and something is is uh is just untethered from reality because you keep thinking, why missing something? Like is everyone else seeing this? It's like has everyone in this book hit their head? Have I hit my head? <laughs> Someone's hit their head and I'm not sure what's happening anymore. <laughs> well, we cut back to Liz and Enid because uh Liz has discovered uh, self-help books, but Enid is skeptical. Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> so these these books are basically Elizabeth's um, Mercury retrograde moment. Uh, oh yes, it's her love signs equivalent because she's suddenly <gasps> obsessed with this book called "Real Women, Bad Men." <laughs> That's all about why women get into uh, unhealthy relationships, and there's all these kind of like behavior patterns explained in it, and little quizzes at the end, so uh, so you can figure out how these things are affecting your relationships. And Liz is just absolutely bet into this book. <laughs> and all of this stuff and he is just like oh that sounds really uh interesting and <laughs> looking skeptical as well as you might <laughs> Liz doesn't pick up on that of course she's like yeah it is I really recommend it yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, he was like well as long as it's helping oh god yeah she's very non-committal about this whole thing she's like yeah maybe I'll read it when you're finished oh god can we talk about something else <laughs> Well, a miserable Jessica returns and Liz asks what's up and where's Lila? And uh, Jessica says, Lila met a hunk and went <laughs> off with them. And you know, I find the word hunk hilarious and it's just used so often in this book. It just gets funnier and funnier every time. So good. I always think of you every time I read it. I'm like, wait, did Anna write this one? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so inherently funny. I do remember... God, I th- who was it on Twitter? Somebody on uh, in Irish Twitter said once that they had a teacher who didn't realise that the wor- what the word hunk meant and thought that it was sort of like a big Egypt, basically, or just a oh messer. And once said in class, I'm surrounded by hunks and I'm losing my mind. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. <laughs> I think it could be Darko from um, uh, the Irish Four. Uh, oh, I think it could have been him, but I I may not be hundred percent right. But it was uh, it was truly an excellent use of the word hunk. Um, but there Fantastic. were many more uses of it in this book. I think hunkalicious is used at one oh, stage. Yep, you're right. <laughs> Well, Liz, of course, super sensitive as ever. Uh, we're told as always she could read her sister's mood in a second. I mean, I don't think it takes twin tuition to figure out that Jessica is in a bad mood. That's true. She doesn't exactly keep it secret when she's uh, annoyed. But um, yeah, so she explains that she just met the most wonderful guy in the world, uh, and that's what's wrong. So Liz is like, "All oh, right, okay, Jessica <laughs> met a new wonderful guy practically every week." It's like, "Yeah, who are you telling?" 
Um, so, yeah, so she explains that uh, this guy was fabulous, more than fabulous. And as soon as they met, something clicked and she could tell it was like that for him, too, as if they'd always known each other. Oh. But then out of nowhere, he jumped up and said we couldn't see each other anymore and ran off, leaving me alone and broken hearted. <laughs> so li- like Liz and Enid are literally exchanging glances like, oh, for God's sake, what now? <laughs> so she's like, OK, so you met. It was love at first sight. He left. That's the whole story. Um, so she's like, yes, look, he, that is the whole story. Genuinely is. But yeah, Liz is like, look, he'll probably come crawling back as soon as he cools off since you're the love of his life and all. But uh, Jessica's kind of annoyed now that she's not uh, being taken seriously here. So she's like, this is the man I was supposed to marry and now he's gone. <laughs> and Liz, right. Oh, yeah. She says, I'm destined to be an old maid forever. And Liz rightly cannot take this shit seriously. She says, what was his name? And Jessica admits she didn't know. Oh, God. <laughs> so she does say, how about two weeks ago with Lord Robert? And Jessica's like, oh, he was just a holiday fling. This is a real thing. Not even Sam made me feel this way. Wow. Poor old Sam. Holy shit. Oh, seriously. I like, mm. I can't believe I'm feeling even sorry. No, I'm even feeling sorry for Robert. But like, I'm <laughs> definitely feeling sorry for the memory of Sam that her relationship with him is equated to five seconds on a beach. Mm, yeah. So she stomps off, le- leaving the other two literally stunned. Eden's mouth, we're told, has dropped open. And Eden's like, I can't believe she said that. She adored Sam. And uh, again, the example of the weird prose style of this book. Liz says, I know. It's really weird. It's a good thing I'm reading this book. Maybe I can help her sort out her feelings. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> she grabs. She's out of here. Yeah. So on the way home, Liz is worried about Jess and with good reason. Like she tries to say, look, I learned the hard way in England. Even when you think you know somebody, you mightn't. Like you don't know this boy's name. Jessica says, he's not a boy. He's a man. Oh, God. Yeah, because obviously she doesn't know exactly what age he is, but she does say, look, he's older than us by a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then mentions when he kissed me, it was as if <laughs> Liz is like, you kissed him? Are you crazy? And she's like, Jessica, can't you learn from my example? <laughs> you can't go around kissing total strangers. It's like, that's <laughs> Jessica's whole deal and has been <laughs> for like a hundred books. What are you talking about? <laughs> and also the fact he is not a boy, but a man. Oof. That should be the thing that sets you shrieking. Not the, it, yeah, just the kissing true. part. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Jessica says, as if Liz is being totally unreasonable. It's like, he wasn't a stranger. He was my dream guy. The guy I never thought existed. Oh and my God. Liz is rightly even more worried. Yeah, fair. Back at the casa, Jessica keeps thinking about her dream guy. And she wonders why he ran off. And is mm. like, did he have a terrible secret? And then the phone rings. And she thinks it might be him. She, she's just fully unhinged all the way through this book. She's yes. like, he's found my number. He's changed his mind. She's like, after all, he knew her name, her first name anyway. <laughs> so the phone, like Liz picks up the phone and then says, Jess, it's for you. And she answers the phone and she's like, please, oh, please. But like, it's Lila because of course it's Lila. How is it ever going to be this random dude? <laughs> Who found and looked, tracked down every Jessica in town. <laughs> he's just been working his way through the phone book. like <laughs> Every single person, family yeah. in the phone book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it is Lila raving about Robbie and uh, she says the best part is he's off my social strata. I'm not a snob or anything, but it's just so much easier to talk to someone when they know where Sam Moritz is. Oh, Lila. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So Jessica says, how could you tell he was rich? Was he wearing a gold-plated swimsuit? That's funny. <laughs> and Lila's like, no, he was wearing a gold watch and not plated either. And he drives a Lamborghini. And he has the most adorable little Scotty. I just love expensive dogs, don't you? Scotties are like dogs owned by Irish grannies. Yeah. Like, know, they're not that fancy. Was... I didn't think so either. But maybe it's just the fact that it's like... Like a purebred dog? I don't know. Like oh, Maybe, but... Mm. Yeah. Um, so Jessica asks, did this uh, rich Robbie say anything about his hunky pal? Uh, and Lila did find out a few details. Yeah, so she reckons that... Uh, she doesn't know his name or anything, but she knows that this mystery man is from the Northeast somewhere. She thinks it could be Boston or New York. Um, and she knows that he works for some nature organization. She's like, yeah, that's it. Like Robbie said, his friend was a real conservation nut and very dedicated to his job. Um, so it is bad this... that Robbie said so much and didn't mention his friend's name. <laughs> didn't say the name. I know it's very strange. But look, we have to contrive this like twist. It's not a twist because mm. the back fucking spoiled it for us. Indeed. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so she's got a date with Robbie tonight. So Jessica's like, okay, you have to find out as much as you can, you know, about this guy for me. Um, because she literally knows absolutely nothing other than maybe he's from Boston. Maybe it's New York. <laughs> Something about nature. I don't know. <laughs> well, she does imagine herself walking the streets of the two major cities, searching for a blonde Adonis. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, she's always searching for an Adonis. I mean, oh, Jessica. that's true. That's true. <laughs> kind of a default mode. <laughs> but apparently Robbie said something which uh, suggests Jessica should stay away from the mystery hunk. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, apparently he suddenly looked serious, I think, when they had been chatting about him or maybe Lila had mentioned Jessica or something. But yeah, this guy Robbie had said maybe Jessica should just forget she ever met him. <laughs> My <gasps> unnamed friend. <laughs> <laughs> And Jessica says, I don't get any of this. What's the big mystery? Oh, Lila, this is going to make me crazy. I mean, that ship sailed. Oh, so and <laughs> I don't get any of it either. No. <laughs> so Lila hangs up to prepare for her date and Jessica has a little fantasy. Oh, it's great. Yes, she's picturing her mystery man slashing his way through a jungle <laughs> on his way to stop some illegal lumber company from stealing trees from the rainforest. She was beside him wearing a really cute safari outfit. Showed off her legs. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the sort of thing that would have been played as totally goofy in another book. But in mm. this book, it sort of like takes her delusion seriously, which is just so weird. It's very weird. Yeah. Well, we cut to the next day. And Alice has an announcement. She does, yes. So uh, she's gotten a letter from Sue Gibbons, who is her friend Nancy's daughter. So this woman, Nancy, was Alice's college roommate, but had died not too long ago. Apparently, Alice had cried for three what? days straight. <laughs> that is such, this is what I mean about the book feeling like fanfic, because that's such a teenage idea of grief. Yes, uh, like, get it all out of, out of the way in three days. Yeah, she's just going to cry for three days straight. And uh, <laughs> also, why was this person never mentioned when we literally never. just had a series of books that was calling back to Alice's college days? Because it literally says, saying, apparently, yeah, Nancy had been like a sister to her. Like, really? whom's to the fuck? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if somebody wants to go back and look at one of the sagas and see did this person get mentioned, but as she did not get mentioned like five books ago in when they were, hmm. you know, taking trips down memory lane. Oh God, and recapping the book for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, Sue has some news. 
Yes. So she's gotten engaged uh, and has always wanted a California wedding like her mother had. So she was writing to Alice to ask advice. Uh, So Alice thought instead of just giving her advice, uh, she's going to ask her to come stay with them while she plans the wedding. So she feels that she she owes it to Nancy and feels bad that Sue doesn't have a mother to help her. It's such an important time uh, and just wants to see what everybody thinks of this idea. And the twins are like, oh, yeah, this is like super sound of you. You should do this. This is all good. But uh, but Liz kind of points out is an 18 awfully young to be getting married uh-huh. <laughs> yes yes it is <laughs> and Alice is like yeah I imagine because of her mother's illness and untimely death Sue's probably feeling a little lost one way to her, for her to feel secure again would be to get married and have her own family of course well, I'm just guessing yeah uh, you're not like you you're not going to you know make that part of your sort of I don't know go, substitute mother duties maybe explore this issue a bit more maybe say are you getting married for the right reason you are 18 you are 18 and you're only doing it because you're feeling lost rather than I'm actually super in love with this yeah. guy and we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. It's like, nope, this is a distraction. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to stand over it, says Alice. Oh, my God. But like, yeah, we, we'll get into it. But just Alice, like, would have been better off just writing back with some advice rather than the absolute zero help she took <laughs> to be all the way through this. <laughs> and also we will come to it. But the justification, other justifications for getting married this early are so astonishingly fucked up. <laughs> Anyway, Barney Sue is going to come in a few days. I guess it would take almost a month to get the wedding organised. I think you could tell all these books were written by non-married 21-year-olds <laughs> because I think anybody who has even attended an adult wedding knows it's very unlikely to be done in a month. It, it, nothing is available in a month's time. Exactly. <laughs> like, not a caterer, not a hairdresser. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. No way. <laughs> and I mean, I think we've gone through this before. Oh, we did in the last episode where uh, Tony and Lucy got married like the next oh my day. Very but like true. here, you have to register a wedding three months in advance, like mm. with the, you know, civil registry sort of yeah. office system. Uh, but I guess Sweet Valley has its own rules. Hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, her stepfather um, is going to fly down right before the wedding and stay in a hotel. So the twins are like, yeah, good, this all sounds great. And Alice is like, I'll write to her today. And again, the writing <laughs> is so clunky and weird. It's just so unlike previous books. Yeah. It's general it's, tone. It's Yeah, it's a real shift in the whole sound and feel of it. It's very odd. Yes. I'm glad it wasn't just me because the whole time I was reading it, it was like something was just off about all of this. Mm. And there are some nice moments and look, and there mm-hmm. are some great scenes that we will oh be getting God. into. But like, but yeah, just, just the way certain things are phrased is just a bit like when you when you know after reading 106 books in this series you kind of get used <laughs> to how things normally sound and yeah every so often yes well you do just get books like this where something's just a bit different yes and it really stands out mm. so we cut to the airport and then wakefield's pick up sue who of course is really beautiful and she looks too young to be getting married because she is she is <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and this is so weird so the twins can't you know, the twins give her a warm welcome. They can't wait yes. to show her around. But then we're told, even though Jessica wanted to be friendly to Sue, she couldn't help feeling a twinge of jealousy. Who was this girl just a little older than Jessica and already planning the rest of her life with her husband? What the fuck a 16-year-old is jealous of that? Like, when I was 16, I would, be th- I would have thought, you are mad. Why are you yeah. getting married? You are only 18. You should be going to college. <laughs> so true. But I mean, then there was that ep- that, that episode of that book with Maria and Michael getting engaged and all the girls were like super oh, invested in true. the engagement and their wedding and everything. And yeah, it's just, it's it's uh, weird. But we I suppose we have had people telling us though that there was a weird 
kind of era in like teen magazines when there would be bridal stuff in it. Oh, that was true. Yes, we did. Um, I might be so- remembering that slightly wrong now, but there was definitely like a a point at which kind of, yeah, like bridal stuff was kind of pushed at teen girls as just like, oh, you know, it's aspirational, but also it's, you know, it's kind of suggesting you're old enough to get married. Yeah, I think it was somebody told us it was Seventeen magazine, but listeners oh, yeah. do fill, do remind us of the details of that um, because the way teen marriage is approached in this book just seems so alien to mm. me anyway. And I think to, I think to most Irish people really, yeah. and, you know, and maybe it seems unreal to most Americans too. So yeah, uh, yeah let us know those of you who have, <laughs> who, who remember this period, the, like the mid nineties that this book is at 94. This um, one, yeah, something it's uh, 95. Oh, it's already 95. Oh, well then. 90, oh, 94, 95. Oh, sorry. This, I have the UK edition. So that was printed 95. So yeah, 94 was the, uh, yeah. the first. Yeah. I can tell you that as somebody who was 18 for most of 1994, it wouldn't have been deeply weird for somebody to get married. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so uh, everyone's in a good mood to say, right back the casa. And uh, Sue is staying in Stephen's room. And as she unpacks, Jessica notices that her clothes are the latest in New York chic. Why is she getting married in this backwater? <laughs> like, seriously. Because, <laughs> like, like, yeah, she lives in New York, like, where all her friends are, which, again, I'm sure we'll get into, because what the fuck? Oh, my so, God. Yeah, she's come to this place where she hurt, she doesn't know anybody. Like, she calls yeah. Alice Aunt Alice, but, like, she obviously hasn't spent that much time with her because we've never fucking heard of this one before. And the twins have never met her. No. And and she's dragging her ass all the way out here to get married in this town oh. where she doesn't know anyone, where none of her friends live, it's... where she's having to organise things like in a completely unfamiliar place. Like the whole thing <laughs> is fucking batshit. Like. Everything about it. Um, so Sue says she wants the twins to show her the sights of Sweet Valley and then she wants them to help her plan her wedding <laughs> and uh, says, I'm depending on you both to help me figure out what to do. I mean, she said with a laugh, I've never gotten married before. Why are you relying on these random children? Oh my God. Yeah, but then Liz points out that they helped yeah. plan their neighbor's <laughs> wedding not that long ago. Because yeah, for some reason, they were also involved in planning uh, Annie's mother's wedding that time. So yeah, that happened. And in fairness, that was even madder because two adults <laughs> let them do the job. I mean, whatever about Sue. Just, but just stood two. back and let children plan their wedding for them. <laughs> two middle-aged people thought yep. that that was a practical approach. Mm. Um, so anyway, they say they will help because they have all the experience. And yeah. <laughs> Sue is very grateful and says, Jeremy, my fiance, and I really appreciate it. Um, she also says, We are I have some good friends in New York, but they can't really help me from 3,000 miles away. There's a way you could get them to help you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Sue, you dumb bitch. I mean, she really <laughs> fucking is. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, the, the ne- they head off to the Dairy Burger and we're told the next few days pass in a whirlwind. They show her all the sights of Sweet Valley, including Miller's point. <laughs> How did they explain that? Did they just make out with her in the car or something? <laughs> like, why are you showing her Miller's point? <laughs> it's so weird. Oh, God. And uh, we're told on Sunday morning, the twins went to the beach with Sue and some of their friends for a little son and girl talk. It's so weird, the tone. Very strange, very strange. And Amy is ridiculously also jealous of Sue, who is lying on a towel completely covered in heavy sunscreen so she wouldn't be peeling by the wedding. 
which implies that the rest of them are regularly getting so burnt they have strips of skin peeling off them. Oh, Christ, just shedding skin like a snake in homeroom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I haven't had any of that sunscreen, you know, sun peely sunburn since I was a kid when mm. Irish people did not wear enough sunscreen. Yeah, yeah, true. So it's actually terrifying that they have been, you know, baking for all this mm. time. Uh, so they ask her about her love, you know, how she met Jeremy. And she says it was love at first sight, you know? Yes. Jessica <laughs> said softly, all too well. Oh, my God. <laughs> but yes, so uh, Sue, Sue goes on to describe their uh, first encounter where uh, as soon as she looked into his eyes, she fell in love. He says it was the same for him. It was like a force we couldn't control. We finally decided we had to oh. get married before we got into trouble. Sue blushed and gave a girlish giggle. Uh, well, first of all, if you're giving a fucking girlish giggle at this, you are definitely too young to be oh getting married. But also, this messaging is so insane. And also, again, I am basically Sue's age because I was 18 <laughs> in the summer of 1994. And I grew up in what had been, until quite recently, effectively a theocracy. <laughs> Literally not a single person I knew would have thought this was in any way normal. Oh my god, it's so like, deranged. We have to get married because we might have sex. It's but like, also, what? she then goes on. But like, she also goes on to say, "Then, oh, he's the sweetest guy, and I like the fact he's older than me. He's twenty-three. Uh, like, they I... really expect us to believe that this twenty-three-year-old pervert has not had sex with his girlfriend before he's going to marry her. Like, absolutely uh, not. Oh my god. Well, he's had sex with someone, and they're <laughs> they're probably about fifteen based on his oh. behavior. The rest of this book, he's so gross. He's so gross." Uh, so yeah they both work at Project Nature and Jessica's heart races what if Sue knew her gorgeous stranger <laughs> apparently she was on a fucking gap year and that's how yeah. she met her oh god yes so she was interning at Project Nature because uh, she took a year off before college and Jeremy was already working there so that's how they or where they met and uh, apparently they've been travelling all over the place together doing fundraising so they went to New Mexico and Michigan uh, yeah so she She's just really delighted, I suppose, with how things are going now because um, she feels like her whole life is finally falling into place because after yes. her mother died, she felt so lost and all alone, uh, even though I still have my stepdad and tons of friends. But no, she's just going to throw herself into an extremely ill-advised marriage. <laughs> Child with, marriage. 23-year-old Jeremy. <laughs> um, and Liz is like, this is terrific. I know you two are going to be so happy together. Sue says, we already are. Jeremy is everything in the world to me. He's my family and my future. Like, this is why pre-marriage courses could actually be a really good idea. Because <laughs> every justification she gets for getting married is so obviously bad. Yeah. And unhealthy. And not idea. the basis of a long-term relationship. No, not at all. Like, like this... this, this she's she is lost like and she's it's it's such it's such a glaringly obviously terrible idea <laughs> getting married but everyone's like oh it's so romantic oh my god i'm marrying this person to uh fill the gaping hole of grief <laughs> inside me oh yeah that's so great that's how all good marriages start <laughs> And Jessica's like, Ugh, if I don't get a chance to pump her about the man I love, I'll go out of my mind. <laughs> she's surrounded by hugs and she's losing her mind. <laughs> Always. <laughs> then they start talking about fucking gift registries. Like, bear in mind, she's 18. All her friends are 18. What sort of wedding presents are they going to be giving? 
well, it is that classic thing, isn't it? Of you get your blenders and your toasters and all this kind of shit because you're you're actually going to live together now that you're married. Because you know, I guess yeah. you know they haven't been living together up until this point. Oh, they definitely have not. They um, haven't because like, they yeah, haven't had so, sex. So. Well, well, there you go. Stands to reason. Or done anything apart from some chaste kisses. That's the it. Kisses. As we know, there's no middle ground between kissing and full on sex. Absolutely not. It's kissing or penetration and <laughs> nothing in between. No in between. <laughs> no such thing. No job in Sweet Valley. Absolutely not. Hands. Forget it. Uh, but right, they're talking about like where are you going to register for your wedding? Like. How are her 18-year-old friends going to... I couldn't have afforded to buy someone a toaster when I was 18. <laughs> so true. Oh, and, Here's a few scratch cards. I don't know what <laughs> In fairness, we find out later that they're literally registering for like fucking full silver services and things. Yep. Like, who is going to be <laughs> buying this? Um, so anyway, he wants to register somewhere where they can get practical things. But uh, she, uh, she says... It's every man for himself when it comes to the wedding loot. Besides, as he's paying for the wedding, I mean, why at least isn't her... Her dad is still alive, we're told. Why is or it he, at least... Yeah, her stepdad is definitely... And her stepdad, yeah. Oh, and her dad is mentioned later, you're right. He yeah. is, yeah. So I don't know why this is entirely one-sided. But anyway, um, I'm sure he'll be pleased. I make out like a bandit. <laughs> and Jessica's like, oh no, how vulgar. But like the fact that even Jessica thinks this is tacky is kind of saying something. (laughs) Liz looks positively shocked. (laughs) The twins are scandalised by this. It's kind of funny. (laughs) So Edith asks about the ceremony and Sue again has a child's idea of a fancy wedding. Oh, completely, yeah. Because she wants to have it at this cathedral downtown that apparently Sweet Valley has. Uh, It's... (laughs) It's nice and big and can hold a lot of people. I'm not sure how many of my friends will come from New York. It's like, are they actually your friends? Do you have friends, Sue? I'm concerned. Um, yeah, and she's, she starts banging on about how they can decorate the inside with tons of white flowers tied with gold ribbon and lots of green leaves and ferns and stuff. Like, it is a very childish kind of plan, like, for yeah. this wedding. Yeah. I'm going to have it in a cathedral. There's going to be ferns and stuff. Also, is this proof that Sweet Valley is a city? Because, you know, historically here, you're only a city if you have a cathedral. Well, that's true. And they do call it a city at some point. Yeah, Sue says it's one of the nicest cities I've ever been to. And it's like, well, I guess it's a city now. It's obviously expanded over 100 books. So there you go. It's designated. It's got a cathedral. It's like Kilkenny. I mean, we all know Kilkenny is just a big town, but officially it's a cathedral. It's got a cathedral. Try telling that to people from Kilkenny. (laughs) Oh, my my father-in-law is from Kilkenny. All those Norman... all those Normans mm-hmm. have been there for a long time. And yes, I have had this argument. Um, <laughs> yeah, officially it's got a cathedral. It's a city. Um, well, so... you know what else says a city is Thurless. So <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> There's no logic to this. I'm a medieval yep. thing. But, Absolutely not. I mean, if Sweet Valley has a city, all bets are off. Um, yeah. So they, well, it's just a downtown area with like skyscrapers. It's got a business district, man. It actually is a city. <laughs> <Yeah>. True. <laughs> So uh, Liz suggests the trio head to the mall and um, Jessica says she'll call Lila later and Lila's like yes I'll have to give you the next instalment of The Witch and The In Love What's that? A new soap? Edith asked Lila laughed and waved a manicured fat hand No, not exactly but it is the story of my life juicy details, racy love scenes and all (laughs) I'm loving the campness but also this is not the world of Tennis Girl 
And we keep harking back to Tennis Girl. The days of Tennis Girl seem so <laughs> far away now. <laughs> so on the way to the car, Sue is walking a little bit ahead of the twins. And Jessica hisses to Liz that she's sure Sue has to know her mystery hunk. And Liz tries to make her see sense. It's like, uh... That boy might live in Boston. Mm. Uh, also, oh, there's loads of nature groups on the East Coast. And she tries to use her self-help knowledge uh, to make Jessica have a, you know, more uh, realistic idea of the, you know, expectations she can yes. place on this. It doesn't work. No. They head to the mall, which Sue, incredibly implausibly, thinks is cooler than New York. Yeah, she's like, we don't have anything like this in Manhattan. It's like... Yeah, because you don't need anything like that in Manhattan. What are you talking about? And she complains about how in in New York you have to trudge from one store to the other on the subway. It's like I like this system better, where you just get in your car and drive everywhere. Like, that is that is so clearly the worst system. What are you talking about? But like, even again from an environmental point of view, yeah. Liz is like, oh, what is she talking about? Like, so much for conserving gas. Like, and Liz is starting to think that uh, Sue is a little immature for someone about to get married and. She's not wrong. Like absolutely not. Um, so they discuss where, whether or where to go for lunch in the mall, and Sue suggests a burger place. But Liz knows the, this uh, fast food joint had had publicity because rainforest conservation groups have protested that they supported slash and burn agriculture in South America, and uh, Sue clearly hasn't heard about that. So mm-hmm. sort of environmental activist is she? Um, so uh, Liz suggests somewhere else, and Sue was like, "Whatever." And then we get. Some erasure of Lisette's. I was fuming about this. <laughs> because, yes, after they have their lunch, the twins introduce Sue to all their favourite boutiques. And Jessica pipes up, the best place for clothes is Kiki's. Kiki's? Who the fuck is Kiki? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and what did she do with Lisette? <laughs> Apparently their leggings are adorable. This is bizarre. I'm just horrified. Does Lisette even get mentioned? I don't think it does, you know. Like, they do mention BBs, which is kind of a deep cut, like, for the jewellery. And yet Lisette's is just left out in the cold for Kiki's. Get out of here, Kiki. Who even are you? (laughs) She doesn't even go here. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, if this is sort of uh, one of those moments where we accuse them of pulling something out of the morris and then it turns out it actually was, you know, played a key role in an earlier book, do let us know. (laughs) What are you talking about? That has never happened in this show before. We're always right about things. (laughs) Indeed. Well, we're told Jeremy is coming tomorrow because apparently he had to wrap a few things up in New York. Um, so but they've had a great idea because apparently there's a branch of Project Nature. I love that they're I you know their NGO names are so generic. It's like Project Youth, Project Nature. Yeah. <laughs> it's a project. What's it about? Oh, nature. Okay, yeah. that'll do. <laughs> well, apparently it's like transnational because they've got a branch in LA, uh, which we are told is only about half an hour away. I didn't realize it was quite that near. Yeah. Um. And uh, so maybe like Sweet Valley is like scaries to, you know, or like <laughs> well, this is it. it's, it's expanded so much in its new city status that now the end of Sweet Valley is only half an hour away from L.A. <laughs> well, basically, they're going to be in, this is insane that they were planning on taking off, I don't know, two months from work. Um, but now they can work part time in the L.A. office and... Mm-hmm. Um, while they're staying in Sweet Valley and then they'll take proper t- even more time off for their honeymoon. 
So they head to BB's to look at rings because Sue hasn't got an engagement one yet. And yes. uh, Liz is so is impressed by how easygoing Sue is and wonders if Todd thinks of her as easygoing and decides to look up about, you know, how important this is, one of her little self-help books. And Sue chats about a possible honeymoon. Jessica suggests Paris. And when Sue is enthusiastic, Liz is like lowly described as an unhinged killjoy. Oh my God, she's the worst here because yeah, like Sue is getting kind of carried away with the idea of Paris and then I'm being enthusiastic about it. And then Liz chides Jessica gently. She says, Jeremy and Sue probably want to go somewhere where they could do a little field work as well. A couple as committed to their cause as they are wouldn't want to waste time slogging around Paris when they could be educating people in Costa Rica. I mean, For- counterpoint, Liz, fuck off. What are you talking about? Like, people can go on holidays. Jesus. Like, whatever about your objections being long haul flights, but the idea that somebody is going to, like, you know, spend their honeymoon <laughs> as a sort of like field trip as opposed to slogging. I mean, I have to say, slogging is not the word I would think of for going on holiday to Paris. No. <laughs> um, but, uh, Yes, apparently Sue uh, is does sort of get what she's saying and says that uh, she and Jeremy share their strong environmental principles and active, you know, ideas of active service and want to raise their children with the same beliefs. I mean, uh, how committed is Sue to all of this, considering she loves the idea of driving everywhere, <laughs> going, <laughs> driving to the mall and like <laughs> eating at places that she obviously hasn't been paying attention to, which are clearly, you know, in bother from environmental groups like Sue doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is again, she's only 18 and too young to be getting married. <laughs> so they go to BB's and Jessica has a hilarious idea and says, why don't we each pick our favourite ring just for fun? Um. <laughs> So, of course, she picks something classy and Jessica finds her own dream ring, an oval sapphire. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, I was I was really trying to care about these rings and I oh, simply God, could no. not. <laughs> the only reason I'm messy, ma- mentioning Jessica's ring is because it comes in place. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, they each pick, yeah, I guess what are thought of as classy rings and then uh, Sue eventually picks her one and <laughs> it's apparently just completely over the top because... Yes. It's this big, gaudy, like it's a huge diamond. Yeah. Um. What? What is it? A solid marquise-shaped diamond solitaire. I don't know what that means. But that apparently, the stone is absolutely massive. It's on a platinum band. Uh. And Liz is kind of. Uh. She, she just didn't expect this. She's like, "Oh, that's the one you like," and she kind of thinks, "God, such a showy diamond would look a little out of place in the rainforests of Ugh. South America." <laughs> But yes, this is the one that Sue wants. Uh, So she's kind of like, yes, I'll have to bring Jeremy here and show it to him. Um, So yeah, this is the one that she has her heart set on now. And it does sound very elaborate and uh, over the top. But yeah, so the twins are kind of surprised by her choice, definitely. They are. And also Liz thinks while they're in the shop that how, you know, she's impressed Seriously, the bar is so low with Jessica. But Jessica's really being very brave under the circumstances. Normally, if she was hooked on a guy she couldn't have, everyone was being would be totally sick of her whining and complaining. But she's on her best behaviour. Like, this is being brave, not whining about a boy she met for, like, two minutes on a beach. What? She's braver than the troops, this one. <laughs> <laughs> it just shows how absolutely terrible her behaviour is. Well, there the you time. go. Like, it's rem- like, this is remarked upon that she's not making it everybody else's problem. <laughs> She deserves, you know, to be congratulated yeah. for her bravery. 
She's doing an amazing job. <laughs> well, both twins are surprised by uh, Sue's flashy tastes and her extravagance because mm. she describes, you know, everything she wants for the wedding and it sounds super, you know, elaborate and fussy. And Jessica says she thinks the perfect wedding would be on the beach at sunset with barefoot, with family and friends and a wild party afterwards. And that is continuity. That is true. We have established that that is Jessica's like dream wedding scenario. So yeah, yeah. that actually is in keeping with previous books. For once in this book, <laughs> it's the only bit of continuity. <laughs> so Sue joins them. She's delighted with her um, with her decision. She says very unromantically, the diamonds are always a great investment. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> but then she sort of, you know, gets a bit uh, emotional because she says she always wanted to have her mother's engagement ring, but she never had one because her daddy was too poor when they got married and her stepdad never got round to giving her one. I mean, I'm not judging that because I don't I don't have an engagement ring, but um, the idea that like she's never got round to it. <laughs> They were, you know, had this serious relationship that she thinks they would have had one eventually, but like just to get around it, and then she died. Um, so really, yeah, engagement rings normally work. Mm, true, but anyway, if you're gonna yeah, have so one. She... Usually starts early, but uh, anyway, she says this is gonna happen to me. Yes, and uh, Liz thinks, you know, this wedding is gonna give her the security she hasn't had in a long time. Not that that's the only reason she's getting married, of course. It couldn't be. It uh. is. It totally is. That's the thing. That's why it's all a terrible idea. <laughs> well, we cut to Seca Lake where Lila is having a picnic with Robbie and they basically just praise each other for pages uh, during which Lila uh, loves that they both love the high life. Basically, yeah. She's like, she keeps pointing out how delighted she is that he's rich too because it's uh-huh. so much easier now because he gets it and, you know, it's not going to be an issue. Um, And like Robbie does kind of say, you know, look, you, you, even if I was broke, you know, <laughs> I, I'd still want to get all these things for you. And, you know, and, <laughs> and if I was broke, would you, would you still care? Like, w- would that really change anything between us? And he kind of keeps making all these weird little hints. Uh, <laughs> but Lila's just so happy that he's clearly rich like her. So this is the best thing ever and definitely nothing to worry about. Yeah. It is hilarious that he keeps saying like, but, you know, what if I wasn't rich? And he, she keeps going, but you are. But you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Rosa told she never felt so at ease uh, as she does with Robbie. And maybe it was because he was older. He was 20, by far the oldest guy she had ever dated. No. Oh, God. Oh, seriously. Oh, they're so gross. And he's it's like, so oh, you're, you're like a fine jewel made to be cherished. Um, so, uh, yes, she feels she's in love. Hmm. So later she rings rings Jessica and raves about her evening. And when Jessica hangs up, reminded what an absolute psychopath she is. Oh, she... Because she she preferred Lila tormented and single. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I mean, considering the recent events that Lila has been put through, Uh that seems very cold-hearted from Jessica. (laughs) Absolutely does. So uh, she's uh, been... Also, she's been forced to... As if... You know, adding insult to injury, Alice has forced her to clean her room. Mm-hmm. And there is a genuinely funny line when Liz comes in and says, I had no idea you had a wooden floor and you have a bed too. I always thought you just slept on a little nest of some kind. <laughs> and to be fair, it does sound like she has been sleeping in like a nest of laundry for the last while because her room is such a tip. <laughs> True. So uh, Sue joins them and shows off her outfit because Jeremy's arriving soon. She wants to look her best. And Jessica basically thinks it's not slutty enough. <laughs> 
that's it's Jessica thinks it wasn't the sort of daring look she'd choose if she didn't have a mother around to supervise her. Uh, uh I'm Sarah sorry. dead. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Sue has a crisis, not because of, you know, Jess- Jessica doesn't say this out loud. No. Um, <laughs> She runs off to change and Liz praises Jessica. Like, seriously, she keeps being praised for doing the absolute bare minimum. Um, <laughs> she praises her for being so nice to Sue despite her heartbreak. And uh, then she uh, applies some makeup. Uh, Jessica applies some makeup and says, I don't have to look like a hag just because I'm destined to be single all my life. Jesus. <laughs> She's 16, everyone. Just, just a reminder. Yeah. This is a child. <laughs> <laughs> and Liz is like, uh, you were only with them five minutes almost a week ago. Do you still care about him so much? And Jessica's like looking into her eyes, goes, yeah, I still care about him. Um, And uh, Liz then asks for advice. Why are you asking Jessica for advice? I don't know. <laughs> and almost has a feminist awakening, but turns it on herself. Oh, God. Uh, yes. So she, yeah, she's, she, Liz is asking Jess if she's yeah. a total dope when it comes to relationships uh-huh. uh, <laughs> and um, Jessica's kind of like look you made a mistake big deal people do it all the time just concentrate on Todd forget it ever happened and then Liz goes not people Jessica women and she's like what are you talking about she's like people don't make mistakes all the time women do women oh, constantly make mistakes about men and I'm no exception so this is all because of her book. So apparently it's helping her really understand herself and her motivations mm. um, and really helping her. And she re- recognizes that, uh, you know, she's she's seeing all these issues that she has to work on, uh, like her self-esteem and being pulled in different directions. <laughs> and she's like, I started reading another book, too. And Jessica's like, good, good. It's like she was not listening to <laughs> It's I did. Could you? <laughs> I thought that was a bit of a voice moment. I was like, oh, good, good. <laughs> Jessica murmured. Mm. She's doing her hair as she says this. Yeah, so it's very, like, not listening to Liz at all. <laughs> well, Liz tells her the book she's reading is called Primal Woman, Woman of Strength. Uh, but Jessica doesn't get this whole self-help thing and um, doesn't really care when Liz wanders off to help Alice in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, but as soon as she's on her own, Jessica almost bursts into tears. Oh God, yeah. So she's, yeah, she she does burst into tears, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, she bites wonder, back a sob. She wonders how she can go on living, knowing she will never see her dream man again and never feel his kiss. Like he did kiss you, and he certainly should not have. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's like she'd never plan her wedding and have blonde, dark-eyed children. Oh, Jessica, please stop. Um, <laughs> So she like sighs and eventually leaves her room and is like, well, there's no point avoiding it. She's going to have to meet this Mr. Perfect guy of Sue's anyway and make conversation with him. So she's kind of clomping downstairs, all feeling sorry for herself uh, when the doorbell rings. It sure does. And when she answers it, it's the hunk. My goodness. It's a beach hunk. Yes. A gorgeous stranger uh, is standing there looking as shocked as she feels. Uh, and she's like, he's come back for me. He's found me somehow. They would actually be together. She would get married and have children after all. What's happening? I, I, seriously, I feel like I'm having a stroke. This is just so... Wait, um, these words don't make sense. I'm genuinely obsessed by the whole thing <laughs> um, yeah we're just reminded of how incredibly hot he is apparently mm-hmm. as attractive as he had been in his black swim trunks he looked even more handsome in his khaki pants <laughs> um, and uh, she can't help herself the 
fucking Lula. She, uh, as if in a dream, she took a step closer towards him. Unbidden, her arms began to lift to, to circle around his neck. Oh, he Jesus. stood stiffly, a panicked look on his face. <laughs> like, that is a very funny image, to be fair. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, shit. That should have been the cover. It should have been, but uh, yeah, but before she can really do anything or really make a show of herself, uh, there's a happy shriek behind Jessica saying, Jeremy, uh, because of course it's Sue running down the stairs and running straight into his arms. So Jessica finally realizes what's happened here Ugh. and that uh, her dream hunk is in fact Sue's Jeremy. So uh, that's that's that dream fucked up now mm-hmm. because uh, yeah, so she has to watch as as Sue and Jeremy um, rekindle everything and kiss each other and they're like oh I missed you so much and I can't believe you're here and yeah so she's uh, she, she's having to deal with this but also when he kisses Sue his <laughs> dark eyes burned into Jessica for an instant before closing shut so it's that really creepy thing where he's like kissing his fiance but staring at Jessica oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> horrendous <laughs> She not noticed that Jessica was literally advancing towards her fiance with her arms aloft. Also that, like, come on now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she introduces him to Jessica as Jessica Randall uh, or, or as Jeremy Randall. And it's like, I've talked about him so much. You probably feel you know him already. Yes, I do. Jessica <laughs> said in a low voice. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, Jeremy plays it that he's never met her before. So he's just like shakes her hand. He's like, how do you do, Jessica? But he's like not meeting her eyes. Jessica's like, you know very well how I do. She thinks to herself. <laughs> she thinks it's a nightmare. And there you go. Yeah. So she has to um, shake hands with him and try and play it cool. And she's like, but you're mine. Her mind protested futilely. You know, you're fine. Oh my god. <laughs> and then Liz and Alice come in and when Jeremy first Jeremy has absolutely no chill. Like he really can't cover <laughs> any feelings whatsoever. When he first sees Liz, he started visibly. Like, how is does he not know there's twins in this house? Like how is funny? <laughs> yeah, as you say, just like no poker face whatsoever. He's just constantly like, oh, ah, ah, another one. Oh Jesus. <laughs> Then he gave a small nod and smiled casually. Can you imagine? Jesus. So they're all just chatting inanely and uh, Jessica escapes to the loo or the powder room as she weirdly calls it in her Mm -hmm. own house. Yep. (laughs) And then she realises that the hunk was like, no, we can't be together. And of course now, this is why. Um, but she knows what they, what she saw in his eyes on the beach that day had been real, had been lasting. Um, (laughs) She's like, if he could be, then she tells herself to get a grip. If he could be so cool and collected, so could she. Sure, you're totally, irrevocably, dangerously in love with him. But that doesn't mean you have no pride. I mean, again, that ship has sailed. Quite <laughs> Very much so. But yeah, so she she obviously has to get through the evening. So she has to go back out and actually try and make small talk and chat to everybody. So she uh, has to get through all that anyway. <laughs> Even though the whole time she's thinking, Jeremy, trying to keep her expression <laughs> blank. She's like, now she knew his name at last. Jeremy, Jeremy and Jessica, J and J, Jessica Randall. Like she's like seconds away from just scrawling Mrs. Jessica Randall all over a notebook. Like, well, that, going. well, she is eating mashed potatoes and she is kind of going like full uh, Richard Dreyfus in Thousand Counters of the Third Kind. She's like sculpting yes. things out of them. She's sculpting the beach scene for their wedding <laughs> out of mashed potato. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she we're told she refused to look at him. She had never felt so betrayed in her life. Really? Okay. 
<laughs> the betrayals are really piling up at this stage. Um, she's like, nobody uh, forced him to sue to be his bride. Um, you know, of course, he tries to tell herself that, like, she uh, he has really chosen Sue over mm. her, but she can't really believe it. And Sue, meanwhile, is again like an actual child, is like, Oh, Sweet Valley's great. Oh, maybe we can move here. Oh, it's so fun. And Jerry was like, Oh, we actually have jobs in New York. But... <laughs> <laughs> We're adults, yes, <laughs> or at least I am. Liz <laughs> <laughs> lists all the sort of boring places they visited and the things you know, all the activities they've done. And then Jessica hilariously joins in where she says, deliberately we went to the beach meeting <laughs> Jeremy's eyes oh my god but it's like yeah because he looks straight back at her calmly and she thinks why are you pretending that her kiss never happened and like was he what was he actually supposed to do here like yeah. when he meets Jessica in the hallway with everyone there was he supposed to say oh Jessica we've met before we kissed yeah. on the beach don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> Well, Alice asks about their wedding plans and, you know, what sort of wedding they're going to have. And Sue says, we haven't really talked about it, which again, what the fuck? Oh, my God. Just, they they haven't talked about anything, it seems like. So Sue, or Jeremy wants to utilise the natural beauty of the Sweet Valley area. Um, And of course, he wants the beach. And Liz is Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're talking about weddings the other day. That's exactly the kind of wedding Jessica wanted. And um, then Jessica smiles tightly and looks down at the pattern she's making in her mashed potatoes. See, she telegraphed to Jeremy. <laughs> you said we hardly knew each other, but this is proof that we're meant to be together. The two halves of the same person. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so unhinged. Oh, my it's... God. But like, anyway, then Sue kind of chimes in and she's like, oh, you know, I don't know if I'll go barefoot. But if Jeremy wants to get married on a beach, then it sounds fine to me as long as we're together. But then Jessica's kind of quite rightly wondering what happened to Sue's big elaborate cathedral wedding plans. Because mm. uh, Sue's, Sue's kind of, she's easygoing, but to the point that she just never has an opinion of her own and just kind of goes with whatever <sighs> it seems like. Exactly. Mm. So Alice asks about what they're going to do tomorrow. And apparently Sue and Liz are going to the bookshop to buy a wedding planner book I guess yeah. and then the twins will hang out with Jeremy like what <laughs> do you think a 23 year old would want to hang around well well this one does <laughs> exactly sorry <laughs> what am I saying <laughs> and they're gonna hang around with Jeremy well Sue goes to Alice's office to look at her I don't know wallpaper samples or something I don't know. Um, and then Sue suggests that she and Jeremy head off to the beach and Ned teases them in what I think is kind of inappropriate Oh, uh, yeah, he says that, uh, yeah, the young lovebirds want some time alone. The beach is a very romantic place at night. <laughs> and Sue blushed becomingly. Oh, and uh, <laughs> half hidden in the shadows of a palm tree, Jessica watches Jeremy's face indecision played across his handsome features. But then he gives in. And so they head off to the beach and Jessica is tortured, imagining them frolicking together. But oh. she knows he's the one for her. Yes, absolutely. She's convinced this is, uh, she's even more convinced than before now. Yes. But, uh, but she also knows that uh, she will definitely never have him. And on that tragic moment, we are going to take a little break uh, because, of course, we are proud members of the Headstuff Podcast Network. And we always like to share another podcast from the network with you. And uh, next, this week, we're uh, suggesting you check out Phoning It In. Yeah, so Phoning It In is hosted by Dave Coffey and it's an improvised podcast, which is just such a gas idea. They have like 100 episodes already in the back catalogue. So basically, 
Well, for Irish listeners, this will make sense. So it's basically if you imagine Joe Duffy's live line, but the callers are all top class Irish comedians. So they have no idea what the thing is that they're calling in about until Dave actually prompts them. So everyone's really kept on their toes. But uh, they've had guests on like Tony Cantwell, Kevin McGarren, Alison Spittle, who we love, we uh, Shane Dan Byrne, Joanne McNally, Killian Sunderman. Like it's all the kind of the funniest Irish people, basically. Uh, and you can have a little taste of phoning it in here now. Hello, my name is Dave Coffey and I'm the host of Phoning It In, the hilarious improvised phone-in show. It's like Joe Duffy's Liveline, except we make it all up on the spot. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 episodes featuring some of the best comedy performers in the country. People like Kevin McGahern, Alison Spittle, Killian Sunderman, Shane Dan Byrne, Joanne McNally, Michael Fry, Emma Doran, Peter McGann, Hannah Mamelis, Tony Cantwell and so many more. Join me, Dave Coffey, for phoning it in right here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And now, back to Sweet Valley. And after dinner, the twins are cleaning up and Liz asks Jessica what's wrong and she breaks down uh, in tears and then tells all. Uh, by the way, we get a full recap, even though we've literally read it in this book. <laughs> um, so Liz is stunned as well she might be. And, uh, and also as well she might, she does not buy that this is like true love yeah exactly like she does say look this this is kind of incredible but she's like but like he is engaged to be married and he's so much older uh but jessica's like yes but it's a mistake he knows it and i know it and again quite reasonably she's like well sue doesn't know it she's like they're planning on getting married like you can't do anything about this and, and she's like you wouldn't and kind of trails off and then jess is like ruin their wedding make a scene give me a little credit liz <laughs> and oh please like, that's she exactly what she would do like jessica takes every opportunity to make a scene so yeah she's she's really got to get off her high horse there at that point <laughs> and liz rightly points out that maybe on the beach jeremy was just like sowing his last wild oat <laughs> and um <laughs> Not with a 16 year old, he shouldn't be. Or with anyone, to be honest. Like, he's in a committed relationship. I'm I'm not. Quite apart from the fact that she is a child. Like, he's engaged. So, what the fuck is he doing kissing random girls? Well, that's pretty much what uh, Liz says, because she says, You know, I was really starting to like Jeremy. And Jessica's like, What's not to like? And Liz Whiteley says, Well, the fact he was kissing pretty girls on the beach while his fiance was 3,000 miles away sort of makes me think he's got a few kinks to straighten out. Um, But then somehow she starts blaming Sue, because apparently all her self help books are all about victim blaming oh god yes she's like if sue was really strong within herself maybe jeremy wouldn't be attracted to other women liz what are these fucking books holy shit (laughs) but also the nerve of her though as well to be giving out about somebody kissing other people while their other half was three thousand miles away and it's like so we're just pretending london and luke didn't happen for this particular chapter is that what's going on here liz and even like uh, closer to home Jessica doesn't mention Luke but she does say what about you and Bruce like when he was already going out with Pamela Robertson uh, Robertson, and Liz actually says I know I need to get myself together oh, that's true and um, that's why she's been reading all the self-help books yes <laughs> but that night Jessica has ridiculous dreams including Sam kissing her on a beach and Liz marching in a picket line Sue in a wedding dress and Jessica and Jeremy kissing each other in a convertible with the just married written on it um but in the morning, uh, she uh, she's she's all excited because she's going to see Jeremy today because she and Elizabeth are taking him to the Valley Mall to get Sue's engagement ring. Why? I don't know why they're so involved. Like, this is so weird. But also, this is that classic fucking Alice Wakefield. She's like, yeah, come stay in my house. I'll, I'll help you plan your wedding. And Alice 
doesn't do anything like I know her and Sue are apparently at her office for some reason that day oh, but also no why are you sending your two 16 year old daughters to hang out with this weird fiance like it's just none of this makes any sense and why they're so involved is just it's really weird like why does he need these children to go look at an engagement ring? and I guess and they're from, as far as they're concerned they need to be there to show him the one that that Sue had picked out previously but it's just like why, why are you part of this why yeah. are you here <laughs> why didn't Sue just put it away and say my fiance will collect it? yeah <laughs> So uh, Jessica dresses up to the nines in some espadrilles and when she goes down, I cannot believe Liz was so fucking stupid. She truly never learns. Um, Liz has left her a note that says, I'm taking Sue to the Fern Street bookshop. It's not just called the books. (laughs) (laughs) To to get a wedding planner, I'll drop her mom's office, then come and get you by 12. If Jeremy calls, tell him we'll pick him up at 12.30 and have lunch before going to the mall. And then she wrote, P.S. No funny business. That means you. And of course, when Jeremy rings, Jessica lies to him. Like, I don't know what Liz thought yeah. was going to happen here. Yes. Genuinely. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, so uh, <laughs> yeah, she says, oh, uh, Liz is going to meet us at the mall of 11.30. Pick me up and I'll give you directions. Yeah, um, so just straight up lying. So now this just cuts Liz out of the... Uh, the- <laughs> the pointless ring choosing fucking ceremony <laughs> whatever all this nonsense is um yeah so now jessica gets to snag an afternoon uh with jeremy just him and her so on the route to the mall Jer- jessica asks jeremy how he and sue met and this ter- time it hardly sounds like the sort of coup de food that um jess uh, sue described you know earlier when they were like oh we just cl- hit it up so well and it was yeah. like we had to Get married so we wouldn't have premarital sex. Because <laughs> um, he says, like, gradually we worked together. She was an intern. Uh, he had a job. This is so inappropriate. Um, <laughs> gradually we began like each other. Then we were really fond of each other. Then it just sort of seemed to make sense for us to get married so we could continue to work together no matter where we are. What? Is this like a job of the diplomatic service where, like, <laughs> you get married so your your wife or your, your partner can have a visa? To go somewhere like what the fuck I genuinely don't know like and uh, like I guess they've kind of they've worded it kind of weirdly and coldly so that Jessica can be like oh his version of their meeting is so different to Sue's but like he's worded it so strangely that it actually doesn't make sense at all (laughs) it's like oh yeah we liked each other you know the next logical step was getting married (laughs) no it wasn't that is so many steps away what are you talking about And it shouldn't be for at least 10 years, really. Really, really. like, let's be real here, lads. Come on. So they park at the mall and uh, Jeremy tries to apologise for what happened on the beach. And she's like, oh, it's fine. You might want to work on your frisbee, though. Ha ha ha. And uh, she takes him to BB's and Jeremy says, I mean, all these interactions are just so weird because he's like, wait, don't tell me which one she picked out. Let's see if I can find it myself. It's more romantic that way. Jessica's eyes narrowed slightly as he gave her a sardonic, meaningful smile. Why is he giving her a sardonic, meaningful smile? Like, what's that meant to imply? Because he's a sex offender. Uh, like, oh, yeah. Just... Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's a terrible person. Because <laughs> she thinks, so you're playing, two can play that game, eh? Oh, is he? What's the, like, what has she done at the game? Is it just saying the frisbee thing? Anyway, she thinks, <laughs> well, you better watch out, Jeremy. You're playing with fire. And you're going to get burned. Christ. <laughs> so, of course, he picks Jessica's ring when, uh-huh. uh, you know, and thinks, oh, Sue would have chosen this. And again, Jessica sounds like an absolute psychopath. 
Well, there you go. She's like, yes, her ring, the one she had picked out. It's the ring we're meant to share. <laughs> and then, no, Jeremy, she said, forcing a bored tone. Actually, that's the ring I chose. Sue's favorite ring is over there. <laughs> well, that's it. I suppose she's trying to act like this isn't a big deal and she's not about to freak out because they've already had the kind of same idea for like ideal wedding. And now he's picked yeah. out the ring that she would have picked out. But anyway, yeah, so she brings him over and shows him the uh, big ginormous gaudy ring, apparently, that um, Sue picked out. And of course, the sales clerk <laughs> figures that this child with this 23 year old man <laughs> must be his fiance and uh-huh. like puts the ring on Jessica's finger and she's like oh you two are such a lovely couple and you're charming fiance and why don't you take a moment to admire the ring on your child bride <laughs> like it's terrible so yeah obviously all of this it's like I don't know is this kind of playing into to Jessica's hands a little bit mm-hmm. I don't know she kind of I... gets to yeah pretend for a minute at least that he's actually her fiance yes because they have a moment in her head anyway yeah. it's like oh here we are hands side by side and wearing his ring um, uh-huh. <laughs> but, but then Jeremy just buys it and they leave the shop and uh, here are yo Wakefields and she's fa- she turns whirls around to find herself facing Bruce Patman's mocking smile <laughs> Yeah, so as soon as she sees him, she's just like, take a hike, Bruce. Not even bothering to introduce him to Jeremy. So Bruce, like, and Bruce is great in this book because he just smirks. He smirked and walked on, taking another big bite of his soft pretzel. And it's like, good for you, Bruce. Enjoy your pretzel. Bruce is actually the best part of this book. He actually is, like... Oh God, it's, he's just, he's very funny in this one. And I was so pleased to just see him even for this tiny scene. I was like, oh, this is great. Because <laughs> the thing is, is that Bruce is the only one who's behaving like a classic Bruce. Or like, the, like they're themselves. Like in themselves. Yeah. He's very, very Bruce. <laughs> and that's always nice to see. Well, it's mostly nice to see yeah. when he's, when he's being Bruce as we like him in yes. these later books. Because obviously we know early books, Bruce is a rapist. So that's Yes, nice. true. So we're told Bruce Patman was good-looking, sexy and rich. Three of Jessica's favourite qualities. <laughs> but he's also a pompous jerk. So uh, she, they're walking along and uh, I guess they're leaving the mall and Jeremy's like, Jessica, wait. And she's like, oh, this is it. She's going to declare his love. But then he <laughs> says, um, uh, weren't we meant to meet Liz here? Like, what's going on? And then this is, I swear to God, like an 80s erotic thriller. She's like, <laughs> I lied, Jeremy. Elizabeth was supposed to meet me back at the house. Then we were going to pick you up. She Jesus. stares defiantly into his eyes. Oh my God. Yeah. And he's like, you lied? Why? She's like, so I could be alone with you, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like she kind of makes a wry grimace and like shakes her arm loose because apparently his hand is on her arm here. And she's like, isn't that pathetic? Like, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> But she also sounds very scary. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's pathetic slash terrifying. Can you imagine yeah. her like looking into his eyes, terrifying stare. <laughs> the blue-green eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. <laughs> That's it. She's in shark mode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we cut to Liz. She's swearing. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, she thinks to herself, in a way, this is my own darn fault. <laughs> So in my book, it says damn, but it doesn't have the N. No way. This is like, Oh my God. Wow. So I thought it was like, oh, they're almost making her swear, but they've cut the N off. So it's not technically the word damn. 
weird i wonder mm. if it's because like is text kind of scanned for ebooks oh, because the or and maybe. n are quite close together and maybe it was just picked up as an m oh that must be it intriguing <laughs> oh i actually thought they were they found some really ridiculous way of getting, yeah, of getting <laughs> around a no swearing thing i mean after they had the word bastard in the last one you know all that all. was a curveball for sure <laughs> She does think, which is quite funny, like she's blaming herself uh, mm. and uh, thinks Jeremy was probably tied up and gagged in the trunk of his car right now as Jessica drove them fast towards the Mexican border. It is truly going that way, so I don't blame her for thinking that. <laughs> so Jessica finally arrives home and is like, oh no, I know, I'm a terrible person. I just had to be with him. I can't explain it. Yes, so she asks uh, Liz how they got on at the bookshop. She's like, oh, is she excited? And she's like, Sue was all worked up about which wedding planner to buy. Like, oh my God, this is so boring. <laughs> it goes into so much detail about these things and you sort of think maybe that'll be relevant later. None of it is. It isn't. <laughs> so much admin bollocks. Like, yeah. I mean, I know the tw- the kids of Sweet Valley love some admin, but sure so does do. this ghostwriter, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> go into so much detail. And... Um, but uh, Liz somehow apologises for thinking the worst of her sister who has just lied and, uh, you know, <laughs> tried to get Sue's fiancé on her own to do God knows what. Um, so she, uh, yeah, she's like, oh, I'm sorry for thinking the worst of you. You were right to. Um, and invites her over to Eden's house this afternoon because they're having a special dinner. Oh, God, a bunch of them are getting together and they're each bringing a self-help book and then they're going to sit around and give one another personality quizzes. You know, really try to dig deep and find out what makes us tick. (laughs) Jessica's like, forgive me if I don't jump up and down at the thought because she's absolutely not interested and I do not blame her. (laughs) Same. Then Sue comes in and Liz tells her a better plan for the evening. And Sue's all like, I don't know you that well, Elizabeth. Bear that in mind for later in this book. <laughs> the quests that are being made of the twins. Oh but like from what I've seen, like basically you're kind and considerate, you're loyal, you're a pretty terrific person. And Liz is touched and says she's uh, one. She's realising that one way of combating her feelings of self-doubt is to strengthen her bonds with other women. Really take solace in sisterhood, you know? <laughs> so your support means a lot to me. Oh, this is the most unrealistic teenage dialogue <laughs> imaginable. <laughs> so true. Oh, God. <laughs> so she invites Sue to join them, but she's going to the carousel where mm. a new player on the restaurant scene with Jeremy and Jessica's voice literally trembles as she's like the carousel yeah apparently it's one of Jessica's favourite restaurants so maybe it's been around longer than we realise but also I'm pretty sure this is the first we've heard of it um, so Liz kind of takes pity on Jessica briefly because she's like <laughs> oh it obviously hurts her to think of Jeremy going there with someone else and then kind of catches herself and she's like wait what am I thinking they've never even gone out they have no couple memories of any place in Sweet Valley except literally a few square feet of beach like it's like she kind of catches herself and is like oh god even I'm getting caught up in Jessica's ridiculous fantasies oh seriously Liz you are like come on you can Mm. escape this (laughs) so Sue goes off I guess to have a little rest uh, between the constant giddy whirl of outings that is life in Sweet Valley and uh, Liz heads off too and tells Jessica be good and (laughs) when she leaves you know the old saying, Jessica said very <laughs> softly, if I can't be good, 
I'll be careful. Oh, God. <laughs> Will she? No. <laughs> we basically get a montage. Oh, my God. This is actually very funny. And again, it's kind of a break from the usual format because it's all these little quick paragraphs that are like Jessica's side of a conversation on yeah. the phone where it starts off with like, Aaron, Jessica, hi, what? Oh, nothing. I was wondering if you wanted to go to dinner with me tonight. No reason. No, why do you say that, Aaron? Aaron! Hello? <laughs> so Alan Darius has clearly just hung up on her. And then in a little throwback that we always appreciate, hey. AJ. Yay! <laughs> and it's kind of the same conversation where she's like, AJ, it's Jessica. Hey, long time no talk. Are you busy oh. tonight? I was thinking dinner, maybe the carousel, like this bitch. <laughs> Poor AJ. She's like, why would I have an ulterior motive? That really hurts me, AJ. I mean, really, that really, wait, AJ, AJ. <laughs> so she's actually just being hung up on by all the guys I love family. this it's so funny and then eventually it gets to Winston it's Jessica <laughs> what are you doing tonight <laughs> like oh do you think Maria might want to go see it another night oh okay uh, no reason I better run uh, tell Maria I said hi bye <laughs> until eventually she, she reaches I guess the bottom of her list because we do hear uh, the other side of the conversation when they pick up the phone and say Patman residence oh yes <laughs> Because it's gotten to the point where she's ringing even Bruce. <laughs> Indeed. And, uh, and of course, they're sniping at each other from the start where he's like, oh, you finally got an offer to pay for the scratch you put in my car. And she's like, <laughs> well, I didn't put any scratch in your car. I need a tiny favour. Um, so we tell she tells him that she, a friend of hers has a blind date tonight and has asked her to show up at the same restaurant in case he's like a giant weirdo. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't want to go by herself because it would look too obvious. And uh, he bursts out laughing. It's like, Wakefield, you're too much. This is crazy even for you. Now tell me the real story. And she's like, it's a real story. <laughs> he's just on top form in this book. Like he is, he's delightful, Bruce, which we do love to see. <laughs> we do. Um, so uh, she's like, I did help get your parents back together. And he's like, yeah, after you put my mother in the hospital and list through all the other ridiculous things they did. And also points out, what am I supposed to tell Pamela? Uh, the whole thing with Elizabeth nearly broke us up for good. Then says, I don't want to lose her. She's the only sane girl I've ever dated. Whoa. R.I.P. Regina. Oh, no. I can't stand for this now. This This... is clearly, this is is a slip up. I'm not putting this on Bruce. This is ghostwriter at fault here. Yes. (laughs) Because there's no way that Regina, the girl who changed his life, is suddenly like not, you know, the only say is like as among the insane girls yeah, I yeah, guess definitely not but it like the line is funny even just for Jessica's reaction because she has to like yeah. count to 20 in her head because she thinks obviously Bruce was lumping her into the insane girlfriend category and it's like yeah as well he might <laughs> <laughs> but eventually he gives in he does we cut to Fowler Crest where Lila asks Robbie what he wants for dinner and he says, absolutely grotesquely, how about some roast Lila with barbecue sauce and takes a playful nip at her slender ankle right above the gold ankle chain he'd given her. <laughs> she calls okay. him a weirdo. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not wrong. Though it did make me think to my notes today, if anyone who's seen this week's succession, a bitey. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, they're playing bitey. They're the Tom and Shiv of Sweet Valley. <laughs> Oh my god, they do love money! Kinda works, right? <laughs> Actually, I can fucking imagine Jessica playing Bitey. 
Oh my god, she's a champion at bite you. She bites someone right to the bone. Just, it's like we weren't even playing bite you. What are you doing? <laughs> so uh, anyway, he's reading a catalog for an exhibition at the Whitney in New York, and there's I don't know, it's, just, it's all just babbling on about their sort of glossy lifestyle. Um, yes. He suggests that they go to a show by the same artist um, in LA, and as for dinner, why not the carousel? Uh-huh, interesting. <laughs> well, that's my notes, eh? Meanwhile, Jessica can't find the right outfit for the nonce. Um... <laughs> Where is the lie? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Apparently, a lot of her clothes seem too young. Uh, huh, weird. <laughs> Maybe it's because you're fucking young, Jessica. <laughs> Says he had been dating real women for years, women who were all older than Jessica and age appropriate, some might say. I mean, you know, we can only hope because his fiance is fucking 18. So, oh, yeah, for all we know, he's dated a string of 16 year olds. <laughs> As we do get reminded later on in this book, like, Sue is too young to drink. In. Yeah, this whole thing is an absolute fucking shambles. <laughs> But anyway, she has everything planned out. Apparently, Sue and Jeremy are taking a drive through Sweet Valley. Seriously, how big is it these days? Uh, I guess Sue really fucking loves driving around in the car for no real reason. Just <laughs> wasting all that petrol for absolutely no reason. So they're going to be at the carousel at 7. So she and Bruce are going to arrive at 7.15. And Sue has never seen Bruce, so she won't know that this is like a, a charade. Yes. Um. So she goes through. I'm looking forward to hearing your descriptions of all <laughs> these. Liz's extremely unconvincing early '90s teen wardrobe. Yeah, this is not Liz's wardrobe. <laughs> oh, absolutely isn't. I don't know if this ghostwriter even read any of the books. Like, did they just read <laughs> recaps of them or something? But uh, probably. <laughs> anyway, she finds the perfect ensemble. Mm-hmm. We cut to Bruce arriving at the casa and out of habit, we're told, he smoothed his dark hair back with one hand and as he dropped his Ray-Bans on the console between the two <laughs> front seats. And uh, Jessica emerges from the house and he thinks basically what a pain in the arse she is. But he couldn't deny she looked totally hot tonight. Oh, he also calls her a dizzy blonde as he's waiting for her. Because <laughs> if that dizzy blonde isn't ready, so help me, I'm taking off. <laughs> So I did enjoy someone calling her a dizzy blonde, at least, because that's overdue. <laughs> oh, God. Dizzy is understatement. <laughs> we cut to the carousel where Jessica's putting on quite a show to Bruce's discomfort. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's literally saying, OK, Wakefield, no need to go overboard. <laughs> because she's like looking at him lovingly <laughs> and saying, like, I'm just trying not to make them suspicious. Uh, so he's like gazing at him over her water glass. <laughs> and he's like, all right, fine. Just quit looking at me as though I'm a fly and you're a large mouth bass. <laughs> <laughs> so then she says really loudly we're told projecting her voice so that Jesus. sue and jeremy seated a few tables away could hear she says i just adore this place it makes me feel so rich and pampered oh do you imagine if you were in a fancy restaurant and you heard somebody yelling <laughs> Voice. Well, that's a classy broad over there that much, I can tell. <laughs> I just imagine her being like some sort of oh, some sort of dame in a, in a 30s film. <laughs> oh, God. But then, of course, Bruce confirms that Jessica is actually the one that's going to be paying for this dinner. So he's like, oh, yeah. right, then I will be having the filet mignon and uh, oysters uh, and <laughs> the fanciest fucking sides I can think of. Yeah. Pom Anna, apparently. Oh. Hmm. 
and sparkling cider, which is sadly not alcoholic. No. Um, Jessica orders the cheaper fare, like the chicken consomme um, and a salad, uh, salad niçoise, but uh, even that's really expensive. So uh, there's a great bit where she's uh, she's hissing because, of course, she's putting on a sort of smiley, you know, demeanor yes. from the observers. <laughs> but then you would think Jessica hissed across the table of Bruce that if nothing else, you'd appreciate getting a nice free meal out of this. But no, you have to push it with your steak and your oysters. How does Pam stand you? She must be broke by now, you greedy pig. <laughs> great so this whole scene is so funny because Bruce like smirks at her and he's like Pam gets me for free he said smugly but he's like caressing her hand as he says this and he's like you Wakefield have to pay for the pleasure of my company now wipe that unbecoming look off your face and smile your friend's watching (laughs) so of course Jessica has like one eye on Jeremy the whole time and kind of spots that he's glaring at her all the way through this whole dinner while Sue kind of spots them and like waves happily like an idiot um yeah Jeremy is like looking super jealous so Jessica is absolutely delighted with how her plan is going so she's like cooing at Bruce but actually saying Bruce you selfish jerk every day I wake up and thank god I came to my senses about you my only regret is that we ever dated at all but like she's again hissing all this but like doing it in a real like what looks like lovey-dovey ways from a distance it's just it's so fucking funny as a scene like I really enjoyed the same <laughs> and of course meanwhile Sue is waving at them like a big fool like seriously they're the least sophisticated people in this restaurant like Jessica's yeah. bellowing and Sue's like ah! <laughs> it's basically again making more references but when they go to the fancy restaurant and always sunny yeah. and like they're just screeching at each other from yeah. tables across the room. It's like everyone else is just there like, oh, my God, I hate these people. Then Lila turns up, basically pays tribute. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, she's like, what the fuck are you doing together? And uh, shut up, Fowler. Bruce growled. Um. <laughs> Prove you're as much of an airhead as you look. Jessica and I are just friends. And Jessica's like, oh, I'll explain to you later. It's a long story. It always is with you, Jess. Lila returned knowingly. (laughs) And this is, it's just so camp. And I I love it. But it's just not like the usual tone of the books at all. No, not in the slightest. Like, it's really full on, like, dynasty soap opera kind of everyone is so over the top. Like, yes. Bruce is the only one acting like he always does because he's always a bit over the top anyway when he's in like good Bruce mode. But like everyone else is just bananas. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck anybody's doing. <laughs> well, at the end of the bru- meal, Bruce basically admits like she he is amazed that she's doing all this for this uh, girl that Bruce had never heard of before uh, yeah. and her date. And uh, when Jessica looks over at Jeremy and Sue, he sees that um, Jeremy or she sees that Jeremy is reaching into his jacket pocket and she knows mm. he's going to give her the ring. So she literally runs over um, and Bruce uh, reluctantly goes with her, uh, taking his cider with him. I'm glad to say that's what I do too, Bruce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I haven't, I haven't had to pay for this. I'm getting every yeah. last <laughs> drop that I can. <laughs> and when they turn up, Jeremy's hand drops away from his pocket, and uh, Jessica thinks, "That's it, Jeremy. You don't really want her to give her that, do you?" <laughs> oh God, it's so she... ridiculous, it's terrifying, oh, spooky. 
So Sue is like, oh, join us for dessert. And then she introduces Bruce to her fiancé. And of course, Bruce thinks that this is a blind date. And he's like, fiancé? Um, oh and then Sue invites him to the wedding. <laughs> says, yeah, because she's like, well, if you're Jessica's boyfriend, we'd love to have you join us. Uh, so he practically chokes on his cider, understandably. And Jessica's uh-huh. like, oh, do be careful, sweetheart. Did it go down the wrong tube? <laughs> so she's like, oh, Bruce might be busy that day. So there's a lot of like, Bruce is kind of realizing he's been set up because like none yeah. of this is what Jessica said it was going to be. Uh-huh. Um, because Jeremy then asks like how long they've been dating. And Bruce is like, what? He's like, excuse me? And trying to catch Jessica's eye. So he kind of goes along with it. He's like, oh, not long. And then Jeremy, the absolute neck of him, is like, oh. Oh, I, hope you, I hope you know what a special thing you have. Jessica's been really great to Sue. She's a fine person and I hope you realise that. <laughs> and Jessica thinks, a fine person? How about a fine kisser? Oh, God. Like, Jeremy, I know we said earlier, like he has no chill. It is so Mm-mm. weird the way he talks to Bruce in this scene. Like he talks like a good friend or a somebody who fancies her. Um, yeah. Like it is not normal, a normal way for him to talk as somebody who is allegedly just like no. the day if before. I was, if I was Sue, I would be so highly suspicious of yes! this whole interaction. Like, and again, Bruce does play it very funny because he's like, oh, sure, wake. I mean, Jessica's a peach. Everyone knows that. <laughs> and Jeremy kind of carries on and he's being really weird and protective and like, you know, I'd be very upset if I thought anyone would hurt a member of Sue's family because apparently her and Jessica are practically family now. Okay. And he's like giving Bruce like cool threatening glares and Jessica's kind of delighted by this because she's like, oh, he's sounding so possessive. It's like he doesn't want me himself, but he doesn't want anyone else to have me either. Like this whole relationship is just such a mess. I hate it. <laughs> but Just um, sitting there. Yeah, like this is it. Sue not notice that this is weird. This is Because it's so like, it's so tense and so, so ridiculously like... <laughs> Tense and weird. And Bruce even kind of says, Well, what happens between Jessica and myself is none of your business. So he's really kind of getting into character, I guess. Cause like yeah. shit about Jessica. <laughs> and at one point, eventually, like Sue kind of starts patting Jeremy's arm and she's like, Jer, honey, like, why are you being so weirdly possessive of a teenager? Uh-huh. It's not me. I'm your teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica says Bruce and I have an understanding she said in a husky sexy voice isn't that right Bruce and Bruce goes yeah I understand that if you don't leave with me right now there's going to be major trouble but wait what understanding are they implying that they have an open relationship like what is being implied so weird but yeah they they kind of head off anyway so jessica is like all like cooing at bruce and she's like oh certainly bruce lead the way and she's like jeremy so good to see you again it's like sue we'll see you back at the house nice so she kind of swaggers her way out of the restaurant kind of happy with how this went because at least she got jeremy to get super jealous and also kind of got him to hold off giving sue the ring for at least a little while jesus Uh, christ so she's delighted with her her achievements this evening (laughs) she is we're told that when she rises from the table she gets to her feet in a fluid easy motion that caused her dress to sway and cling in all the right places what is this motion of standing up from a chair that is like causing your dress to sway and cling in all the right places. It sounds very complicated, doesn't it? It's it like, really does. It's like gymnastics are simpler yeah. than that. It's like she nailed the dismount and everything coming off that chair. <laughs> what is going on? So when they go outside, Bruce is like, oh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> yeah. And Jessica improvises and it's ridiculous. 
Oh, God. Yeah. So she says that, look, Sue has been staying with us uh, and me and Liz have been swamped with wedding this and wedding that. And, you know, I don't have a boyfriend. I haven't had one since Sam. That's a so lie. She says, exactly. She's had two. She has had two. <laughs> oh, my God. But she tells Bruce that she couldn't bear to have Sue feeling sorry for her because she has a real live fiance and I hardly even date. <laughs> <laughs> OK. So she, so her kind of her story for Bruce is that if she if she showed Sue that she could go out with one of the handsomest, sexiest, richest boys in town, she wouldn't think I was so pathetic. So like Bruce, because he is extremely egotistical and arrogant, does actually buy this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jessica does wonder if there's any limits to his ego at all. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Fair. But like they pull up outside the Wakefield house and it's hilarious. Bruce just goes, well, Wakefield, oh. it's been real and it's been fun, but it hasn't been real fun. <laughs> I loved that. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's like I really liked it, and then I read it again, and I was like, "That doesn't make any sense." <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of works somehow if you just don't dig anyways into it. <laughs> and uh, they have a little moment as they say goodbye, because even in this book, there's chemistry between them. Um, you know, the rest of the book is deranged, but like they cannot get around the Bruce, uh, Bruce's chemistry with both Wakefield twins because <laughs> he's like, so true. <laughs> he's like, oh, where are you taking me for my next, you know, free dinner? And Jessica says, honestly, Bruce Patman, I don't almost think you like being a boy toy. <laughs> and uh, he says, Wakefield, you're a total lunatic, but no one can say you're boring. I mean, true. <laughs> And he does say, now go on, get out of here. I want to call Pam before it's too late. Because, of course, Pamela has been kept informed about this whole night. So there's no sneakiness yes. going on from Bruce here at all. Um, so, like, she's about to get out of the car. And then he's like, one more thing, Jess. And she turns around. She's like, oh, now what? And he says, quietly, you looked great tonight. So Jessica kind of has a look at him and she's like, oh, he's not being sarcastic or anything. Unthinkingly, she leaned back and gave him a quick, hard kiss on the mouth and then jumped out of the car. <laughs> she thinks... She muses, mm. oh, Patman and I are two of a kind, which is precisely why we don't get along. But he was a real pal tonight, <laughs> a whiny, suspicious pal, whose grossly expensive dinner I'm going to be paying off for a long time. But a pal, nevertheless. Wow. And that is where we are going to leave it for this week. Yeah, it wasn't really a cliffhanger, but like we can tell you that there is so much mad shit to come in the second half of this book. Oh like, my god. It's going to be good. You have a lot to look forward to. <laughs> there is a moment with... Uh, oh, this, oh, it's hard to even hint at it without spoiling it. Yeah. But let's just say Jessica does something just truly unhinged. It is. I think I shrieked when I read it. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was just so unexpected and wonderful. <laughs> Well, we are going to save the stats and outfits for next week uh, because we, you know, there's going to be a lot. And... Oh God, there is of everything. <laughs> oh, sorry. When I say next week, I mean oh, yeah, next, next fortnight. Re- next regular week. <laughs> yes. But Pie, uh, sister, I was going to say Pie to Alpha Sisters, but I mean, everybody, mm. uh, do let us know what you thought of the first half of Jessica's Secret Sex Offender. Because <laughs> that's what we're calling it now. That is simply what it's called. We're going to, have to edit the Wikipedia entries. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, the uh, actual entries for the TV series are often wildly inaccurate. So, you know what? <laughs> I don't think this will be you know an issue um but uh yeah let us know what you think you can get in touch with us on twitter at svh podcast you can send us an email at svh podcast at gmail.com 
And of course, we are on Instagram at SVH Podcast, where uh, you had many thoughts on uh, on the werewolf. Uh, I loved this from Robot X Pixie. Finished listening to this uh, yesterday and got very invested in Bumpo's story arc. <laughs> ACAB, except for Bumpo! <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> And Joanna Monaghan, author, had a spooky experience in the gym. Oh, God. Yes. Sorry. Do you have it there? Because I'm, I'm scrolling oh, and I'm trying to find there was so many comments. too. She said, I kid you not. I'm listening to this in the gym and Werewolf of London came on over the speakers just as we got the incredible line reading of, do you like my collection? <laughs> that was uncanny. I loved that one. <laughs> the timing is just stunning. <laughs> she said, I had to run off the weight room floor. I started laughing so hard. I mean, I would have as well, in fairness, if I heard <laughs> that, that song at that time. But I couldn't have looked more unhinged if I were wearing a were- werewolf mask or whispering to myself in a candlelit hallway. <laughs> oh, God. Brilliant. Oh, yes. I did enjoy uh, Jammy Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> their comment which was uh, as I was driving to work in the midwestern US the rain and fog made me worry I had been transported to old London town I feel uneasy without my werewolf talisman now but at least I have fresh breakfast scones to comfort me while keeping an eye out for any werewolves oh. so hopefully you made a jammy dodger didn't yeah. make a werewolf on route. and got lots of scones yes of course um, the aptly named Beck the Wolf had a really good point she said does anyone else get the feeling the Sweet Valley franchise team created the Margot and Werewolf stories after looking at the popularity of Point Horror Orwell Stein series at the time and thinking yeah we gotta get ourselves a slice of that sweet sweet horror <laughs> audience pie it's just so weird they were, these were classed in the normal series and they also still had the super thrillers as well um, so yeah that's a really good point it is and like that yeah that makes a lot of sense to me because I guess yeah like Point Horror was so huge yeah just around this time as well that it really was like okay there's a market for this we've already got an established readership let's throw in some mad horror bullshit I suppose and see what happens <laughs> well Katie Logstreth made a really good point she said after this book I am now fully convinced that every insane thing Jessica and Elizabeth do is 100% a trauma response you just don't bounce back from being kidnapped repeatedly almost murdered by doppelgangers running away from werewolves and watching boyfriends die I suppose they could go to therapy but Project Youth can only do so much <laughs> the bare minimum I mean <laughs> Uh, Pippi Ann Shirley is 100% convinced this was an old delayed super thriller that got reworked it's no less insane than an Alice doppelganger kidnapping white teens to a spa <laughs> good point yeah <laughs> We actually did get uh, one, um, uh, I guess, is this a sign that the book is realistic? Bob and Button said, love this episode, especially as they mentioned the London Hospital. It exists, apparently. It's where I was born and it's over in Whitechapel. Aha, uh-huh. there we go. Good Lord. Does that make you an actual cockney, Bob and Buttons? Were you born within the sound of Bow Bells? <gasps> Ooh. Nice. My knowledge of London geography isn't that accurate, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's East End, more or less. Well, I, um, I just I just feel sorry for uh, K.W. Thomas Books, who apparently had been in London for a week and didn't see a single scone. What? How I is know. this even possible? <laughs> Truly, I reckon that uh, she was entitled to a refund there because that's yeah. just not on. The Tamari said, expectation, romantic weekend on Posh Boys Country Estate. <laughs> Reality, werewolf Glastonbury. <laughs> 
Uh, Nimitoru uh, said, on a side note, it's interesting that Carol Walker, who lives in London, didn't appear in the books. Uh, unless off scene, she uh, she met up, they met up with Kara and she thought, nope, they're lunatics. Now I'm free for the clutches of Utopian Sweet Valley and in foggy London. I can see it clearly. <laughs> that would make sense. It really would. <laughs> now, we also did get some I mean, we like knowing, you know, we like it when you correct us, like the fact that London Hospital mm. does exist. Um, but uh, we got some shocking news about werewolf saints. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, this was a brilliant email. Uh... It was. I gasped. I gasped aloud at this email. Um, and it not only really was it uh, an, an email, it was illustrated. Um, and it was from Eva Richards. Yes. So, yes, this was that. Uh, yeah, she wondered if she was giving the SVH ghostwriter, ghostwriters, ghostwriters too <laughs> so much next. credit. But maybe they were aware of the legend of St. Christopher. So, as a saint, he's known for carrying the baby Jesus across a river. But I knew that part. As a young man, depict him with the head of a dog or a wolf. What? So apparently this like wolf's head metaphor or the wolf's head kind of imagery for St. Christopher was a metaphor for his animal nature and uncontrolled desires that he was then able to overcome when he meets the baby Jesus. And as she points out, poor Luke never had the chance. And she said, so the Pembroke family crest must have, must have this narg on it. And it is like a little sort of medieval, I don't know, like icon knight yeah. with a wolf's head. Properly, like, you know, illuminated, like, golden <laughs> little dude with a oh. wolf's head holding a spear and a shield. And I can't believe I never knew this. Like, Same. What and good this... is a Catholic education if they're not going to tell us about St. Christopher oh. being a werewolf, for God's sake? <laughs> and there we were last week, smugly being like, oh, they should have got some Catholics to know about science. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. Because what we know, <laughs> as usual, fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> And Anne Foster, not that one, said, I don't know if anyone said this yet, but scones are the new clams. <laughs> <laughs> they truly were, at least in London. <laughs> My goodness. They absolutely were. And, Just uh, inescapable. I am. I am. I have to say that I was delighted by all the, the scone chat. So... <laughs> Oh, and we also heard from News from Neon, who said, regarding the teaser for the next regular book episode, I'm imagining, imagining a scenario where all the, quote, most gorgeous hunks Jessica has ever seen form a support group and realise they're better off without her. Maybe they, were, they all end up as roommates or co-workers. Would totally watch that show. I love it. I keep picturing, like, that scene in Zoolander when he's meeting all his buddies for their mocha latte frappuccinos and it's just, like, them dancing around and driving in a car to Jitterbug with all their little... <laughs> Coffee's happy out. By the way, while we're on the succession train, do you know who played one of those uh, those frolicking models? Alexander Skarsgård! I was going to say, out of everyone, I mean, he's the tall model one, so it had to be. Yeah. Surely, but holy <laughs> shit, I did not realise he was one of those dudes. That's amazing. He is, yeah. So, oh uh, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a, I, he, I mean, we all know he will end up consumed in a fireball after a petrol well, fight but you know but up to that point they're having such a lovely time indeed <laughs> 
Well, listeners, if all this ridiculousness was not enough for you, um, you can, of course, join us in the Pi Beta um, Alpha Clubhouse um, because uh, we do have our non-toxic sorority and you can become one of our sisterhood by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yeah, uh, and we promise not to be really boring like Liz with her sisterhood books. Uh, we're actually a lot of fun over there. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, if you head on over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up for as little as five euro a month and that supports the show and all this absolute nonsense that we do here. And it gives you access to Pi Beta Alpha, which is, of course, our bonus series that runs parallel to this one in the off weeks between episodes where we chat about the Sweet Valley High TV show and have a lot of fun doing so. So much fun. We are enjoying it so much more than we thought we would and of course if you you know sign up now you will get access to you'll have access to the full back catalogue and mm. um, and uh, a link to our top secret uh podcast feed so you know you can listen in your podcatcher of choice it's not like you can only listen to it on you know a browser or anything mm. it's it'll can be just the same as the yeah as the regular feed um a little uh little tidbit for our private alpha sisters we have found shred Oh my God, just it's revelation after revelation over there in the clubhouse. <laughs> we found the sh- modern day shred and we will <laughs> tell you more next week in the clubhouse. Um, <laughs> but, but I can't believe that we've reached a stage where our just what is what are or what comes next you know next week things have reached such ludicrous proportions because you know it used to be like what happens when we uh when you know when we find out roses lie or something like that oh, yeah <laughs> but now it's just all bets are off honestly just- it's it's just yeah, they really just got to book 100 and we're like, all right, fuck it. What does everyone want to do? <laughs> Let's just do whatever. <laughs> like, all bets are off. The titles are... Like, once we've got to the evil twin and beware the wolf man, I mean, there's no turning back. No, there is no coming back from either of those. <laughs> well, I have not finished reading the next book yet, so I don't know how... Uh, how accurate um, the uh, the title of the next book actually is. But we will see our Pi Beta Alpha sisters in the clubhouse next week when we find out what happens when the gang goes Ooh. surfing the nets. <laughs> with the nets. Although, but it will be a couple, well, it'll be another couple <gasps> of weeks before we actually get to the second book in this particular mini series because we are, we are, we are only halfway after all three. My God. Days. Sex offender. <laughs> okay, well then I'm going to leave you hanging, listeners. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll just have to wait a bit longer to to find out what comes next, or you can read ahead if you want to find out whether this series really is as feverishly odd as we are making it sound. It is. It like several is. of you have said this, have actually contacted us to say that. Like, first of all, some people actually warned us in advance. Like, don't worry, yeah. this is still incredibly weird. Yeah. <laughs> They were right. <laughs> so right. Oh, I've just sorry, I've just seen the episode or sorry, the book description on Wikipedia uh for a book, the next book in the series. And I suspect it is spoilery, but it really is wetting my appetite. So Ooh, uh, okay. feel free to read ahead, listeners. Um, <laughs> but yes, we'll see you in the clubhouse next week for surfing the nets. And we will see you back here in two weeks time when we find out what happens 
when Jessica gets even closer to <laughs> Jessica's secret sex adventure. God, why? <laughs> See you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.